Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not a fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white male. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This, this. is Beauty and the Beta. <laughs> Former President Obama called President Trump's decision cruel. President Obama's right. It's cruel. This may go down as the most cowardly and cruel move ever by a president in the modern uh, United States. This is one of the most cruel acts we've seen in the presidency in a long time. That tonight's gonna be a good night. This amounts to like cruel and unusual punishment to like innocent children. Good, good night. My view, Trump's decision to end the DACA program for some 800,000 young people is the cruelest and most ugly presidential act in the modern history of this country. I cannot think of one single act which is uglier and more cruel. You are fake news. Very fake news. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. Terrific show. Tremendous show, frankly the best. You can ask anyone about that. This is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt Christensen. I am normally flanked on my right by somebody else, but tonight we have a very gracious fill-in, favorite guest of the show, substitute co-host, Roaming Millennial. Thank you for filling in tonight. Thanks for having me. And uh, for some people who are wondering on Twitter, no, I have not uh, murdered Blonde and usurped her position, (laughs) just filling in temporarily for this week. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you sitting in. I, th- I was thinking about it. I don't think I've ever done, I might be wrong, but I don't think we've done an episode of this show without her or without, you know, both of us. So this is a first. Um, but I, I have it on good authority that Blonde is coming back. I, I've been told she's on a vacation, if people aren't aware, in uh, in Paris with her fiance. So, so romantic. Um, yeah, so hopefully staying off the internet. Although she said she wasn't going to tweet. She was tweeting earlier today about things she doesn't like about migration in Europe and so forth. I can see Blonde totally doing that. Yeah. In any case. But let's hope that Spinosaurus isn't there to, uh, you know, make (laughs) racist accusations about her tweets. We don't, uh, yeah, we don't need to revisit that uh, particular portion of the history of this show. We'll try not to repeat that. Uh, (laughs) We'll try to make something better. But thank you for coming back. We appreciate it. And um, we look forward to Blonde coming back next Sunday. In the meantime... We've got a bunch of news to discuss. Uh, we got Hurricane Irma going on. I, I was out all day yesterday, and I've been trying. I, 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 when I left, I didn't go online basically at all yesterday. When I left, Hurricane Irma was forecasted to be like the apocalyptic, uh, apocalyptic storm of the year or this whatever of the year of all time, if it's apocalyptic. Um, and then I get back and it's kind of like downgrade, downgrade. Not that big of a it's deal. Category two now. Yeah. So I've been going over clips today trying to figure out what's going on. I have a few. There's some fake news circulating about Hurricane Irma that I thought was pretty interesting. We'll get uh, a look at what's going on with the hurricane. And then, of course, 
everything is politicized now. Just when we were done regretting how Hurricane Harvey was politicized, Hurricane Irma is politicized. So I've got a clip from what used to be one of my favorite shows and is now my favorite show to hate watch, which is Real Time with Bill Maher. I've got a clip on the hurricane from that that we can go through. Talking about it uh, before we went live, very policy-heavy week for us to discuss. We got DACA, the uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that uh, Obama-era immigration policy apparently on the way out, or at least on the way to Congress where it belongs. So we'll discuss that. And then um, Betsy DeVos comes out this week and says, hey, Obama-era guidelines about sexual assault in, on uh, college campuses, going to revisit those too. Uh, Wait, so I, thought, I thought she said that rape is legal now. That's that's what Solon said. Who, <laughs> depends who you so ask. Depends who you ask. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I might have seen that headline too, but yeah. uh, but I, ha I I have points of dispute with it. Uh, so we'll try to figure out what's actually true in that situation. And um, I don't know if you if you've caught Blonde and I talking about this recently. I've done a couple videos on this stuff. I didn't intend for this to be a weekly thing, but it seems like every week there's a new hate letter that's going out. Somebody sends a hate letter that says, I hate you because you're this race or I hate you because you're gay, but it's this <laughs> ambiguous letter that never has a you know a name assigned to it. And it comes in the mail or something weird like that. New one this week, and it's much more high profile. So this one's from the wife of the Texas A&M football coach who claims to have received a letter in the mail that said, uh, you're an N-word and you can't win. Uh, is it real? Is it hoax? We'll try to sort it out. And then... Um, you sent me this before we went live today. I, I don't think we've ever discussed Australian politics on this show, but today we're going to do that with the marriage equality uh, upcoming or, or is it upcoming or is it current? They're doing a postal vote in Australia on marriage equality. Yeah, but I think it's upcoming from, from what I understood. Yeah. And what's interesting about what you sent me is the polling is shifting. It's, it looks like most people still support the yes or in favor of marriage equality, but it's shifting to undecided or against, which is surprising to me. So we can try to figure out why that might be. And then uh, last but not least, I got a, a crazy Maxine Waters. She is at it again with more crazy talk. What is her crazy talk this week? Uh, find out next. We'll do that at the end of the show. And of course, we'll take your super chat comments and questions in between topics. Uh, five bucks and up will be read on the show because we are no good lowdown money grabbers. If you have turned in, tuned in in the last few weeks, I I hate this policy, but at the same time, you I guys are just this. getting too popular. You can't help I it. Know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speak for yourself. I want to talk about that in a minute here because I want to catch up with your channel um, because you seem to be doing pretty well. But I want to hear all about it. We, you know, we 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 do quite well in our five dollar super chats. I'll, I'll tell you that much too. But uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody who's supporting the show. We try to keep the the show moving uh, along as as well as we can. So look forward to hearing from you in super chat. Um, and you know, I usually it'll be all this and more in your favorite. I'll listen to I talk about how you can find the podcast and iTunes and SoundCloud and all that stuff. But I'm feeling a little long-winded here. So listen to the podcast on the audio platforms if you like. Email us, beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. Uh, also wanted to say shout out to our listeners in the Path of the Storm, in uh, Path of Irma. We'll talk about it momentarily. You can donate to Irma Relief using the Red Cross link in the description if you would like to do that. Other piece of housekeeping so I can finally shut up. It's been a little bit since we've spoken. Last time you were here, we were talking about BuzzFeed period blood art. We won't yes. have to revisit that. Um, but there was some one? interesting fan art that was made out of that. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, yes, I saw several pieces of it. actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have a favorite? 
the the favorite one that I saw, I think blonde, it was like pure blonde and me. I think we were painting you out of period blood. We were painting someone out of period blood together. Yeah, it was a comic book cover. Yeah. That was my was favorite one, graphic, too. Very uh, graphic. Very well done, actually. I, yes. I love that people are spending significant amounts of time on this. Yeah, I think that was by listener Chase, if I recall correctly. And Chase has uh, has done several pieces of very well done comic book style covers. And that's what that was. Uh, so thank you, Chase. But um, but how's your, uh, what's going on in, in terms of like your channel and your career and all this stuff? Because I keep seeing you popping up everywhere. Like everywhere that I follow, Daily Wire, elsewhere, I just see your face around. Yeah, it's, so it's been an interesting month. Uh, if anyone follows my channel, you'll know, or my social media, that you'll know that I've been in Asia with my parents who are living in Hong Kong, where I grew up. So I've been visiting them. Um, I only get to see them like twice a year or, well, I guess, yeah, twice a year. I'm going to be seeing them again in Christmas. So it was nice to see them and catch up. I haven't been back to Hong Kong for a few years, so that was great. And yeah, it was. it's been an interesting time for my channel because... You know, coming up to this, uh, I, I wasn't that busy. I wasn't really on that many calls. But then, of course, as soon as I go somewhere, which is a 12-hour time difference with the U.S. or 15 <laughs> in the coast, case of the West Coast, I get all of these call requests, which are, are amazing. But yeah, there are a lot of like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. calls, which uh, I didn't even. I should have. I didn't even think about the time difference. But so yeah. you're doing, you're doing like uh, Michael Knowles show on the Daily Wire and stuff. And you're yeah. doing this live, right? Yeah. So, so it's like, it would be, they would call me at like 3 a.m. Show starts at 3.30 a.m. And by the time it's finished, it's like uh, about 4 a.m. ish my time. Jeez. All right. Yeah. All out of the goodness of your heart, I suppose. We're running They're... off sugar and pep. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's been really great. <laughs> I love the Daily Wire. And there was actually, yeah. uh, last time I was on, Ben Shapiro, who is the, I think, editor-in-chief of the Daily Wire, he was an like in-studio guest on the Michael Knowles show. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I didn't get to talk to him, you know, directly, but we were, I was on a Skype call that he was also present on. So, I mean, that's hmm. pretty much like we're best friends. But you weren't allowed to, you weren't allowed to speak or how did you not talk to him in that context? Well, because he wasn't linked up to the panel, right? So, because it was his, oh. his segment first in studio with Michael and then Michael talked to us like on the panel who were kind of tuned in via Skype. Yeah. So Ben wasn't hooked up to them because like we didn't have any interaction, but I could hear him and and I could see him in real time. Well, see, so, this is interesting because, deal. well, I was going to say two things. One, you can be the connection now between Blonde and Ben Shapiro because I know Blonde has a lot of pieces of stern advice for Ben Shapiro. But the other thing that's interesting is, uh, uh, and I messaged you privately about this because I appreciated it. I, I, sh I look on YouTube one day. I didn't even see you promote this earlier, so it was a total surprise to me. You hosted Milo about his book, and I thought, holy cow, what a get. That's really cool. Good for her. You mentioned it in the extended segment. Um, hey, can I get you to make peace with Ben Shapiro? What what would it take for that to happen? And he kind of, yes. I think he said, who's that? Or something like that, made a joke. Yeah, about, which I love, just, yeah. you know, very Milo. But you could, maybe you could be the catalyst to that peace, that you could finally bring peace to Shapiro and Milo and therefore peace to the universe. That would be amazing. Maybe, and actually, oh gosh, I forget what led up to this, but I was looking up something about Ben Shapiro's height, because there's always a thing people talk about. So I was actually, I actually Googled it, Ben Shapiro's height, because there's rumors okay. going around that he's anywhere between four foot five to five nine. Who knows, right? I mean, it doesn't okay. really matter, but there was a an old tweet that he posted, like, at Nero, um, confused about my height, but he'll never know because he's always on his knees, or something akin to that, which I <laughs> wow, hadn't seen Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty edgy yeah. for Ben, actually. I think so, too. And wow. I was like, Oh my, this is a yeah. lot spicier than I originally thought this feud was. Yeah. Goodness. 
Well, I, I, you've already made your claim to fame, but this would cement your name in some right. form of stone. It's something I need to do for, for the community. If, yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, certainly. So, I don't know. I, I hope for the best. Maybe you can make it happen. But, um, but that's great. It's always great to see your success, and I have uh, high hopes that even better things are are coming here. So, um, so looking forward to it. But uh, we got uh, we got news items to talk about, and I'll catch up on super chat in a second here. Uh, okay, so we got Josh uh, Marshall. Uh, the girl on your left is not blonde. Oh, on the screen's left. Uh, She's an imposter, a beautiful imposter. Oh, well, that's very nice. Thank, Thank you, Joshua. You. Uh, another month, another Air Force paycheck. Another uh, time I am giving money to YouTubers instead of turning on my AC. Well, thank you for serving. Uh, I would recommend air conditioning. I would I would go with that or support for this show. But maybe you disagree, Roaming. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe he like alternates a yeah. little bit. This is the first summer of my adult life that I've had air conditioning. Um, and I got to say... Turn on the air conditioning. It's wonderful. It's one of the greatest human inventions, I would say. Yeah, we, we don't have air conditioning here. And it was it's hard filming videos without air conditioning, right? Yeah, that's why I had to do it is because yeah. if you're on camera for a long time or on this show where sometimes we go two hours, you start sweating under the Especially lights with and lights. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and you can't use fans because they're too loud. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. I turn up the AC nice and cool before the show goes live. Then I turn it off so none of the fans and stuff are running. But yeah. Uh, Agent Flippy, woo, new host. Well, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a feeling she's on to bigger and better things than this production, but uh, we're happy to have her tonight. Uh, Gabriel Lopez, if, if you don't know uh, Roaming, gives us a contribution each week and tells us who is a faggot. And okay. tonight, Roaming is not a faggot. You are my favorite deplorable on Michael Knowles' panel. Thank you. Very that cool. means a lot. That really does. <laughs> Uh, David Howard still waiting for roaming mill. I don't know what this word is. Daki Makuras. Do you know what that is? No. D a k i m a k u r a s. Still waiting for roaming mill. Daki Makuras. I don't know what that is, David. I'm I sorry. feel like you might be waiting for a while on that, David. I'm sorry. <laughs> our uh, our favorite uh, retired army medic, Austin. Uh, Huvian says, just joined college Republicans at Western Michigan. So um, since Blonde won't come to campus on a massive, uh, out of massive fright, Blonde is afraid of public speaking, if you didn't know. But she might get over it someday. Um, how about Roaming and Matt both come on over? There will be snacks. Send me an email, Austin. I'm I'm willing to entertain the possibility. Yeah, me too. I'm actually, I'm going to be at a university campus next week doing a speaking engagement, which is really Ooh. cool. Which one? Yeah. Uh, Lafayette College. Okay, well, uh, get a bodyguard and watch out for Antifa. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm not big enough to uh, so, to warrant Antifa. Uh, I wouldn't gamble on that. Maybe just I, like I'm... one upset neckbeard in the back who's gonna, you know, <laughs> try I, it. Harassing. I'm only half. I'm only half joking. I'm serious. I'd consider like a secure. Well, I guess this maybe the school will provide you with security, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really sure how that works like this is they're doing like a, a lecture series and i'm not the first one and i think all of the other ones have gone smoothly so i'm hoping it won't be too huge a deal and it's 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 a smaller school from what i've seen so mm. fingers crossed it'll go out go on without a hitch cool looking forward to it el chango uh just supports the show no comment thank you for that el chango uh mark i think you know mark i think he's one of your yeah, patrons he's too great. yeah uh, and he's Ameri also a host on the rover time podcast which all you guys should check out if you haven't seen it yeah they go live right before we do 
So, yeah. um, so yeah, they're all, uh, they're all listeners of both of us. And I try to hop into their chat, um, if I can, although tonight I was so bogged down in show prep. So don't be mad at me guys. I just, you know, got to prepare, but, um, but we appreciate, uh, the Robotime podcast and their support for our stuff. Um, and he says, Mark says, America has the greatest hurricanes. They're tremendous. Frankly, the best you can ask anyone. P- uh, P.S. <laughs> cheers from the Robertime podcast crew. Thank you. And Dan says, roaming is their way to follow you on iTunes or Google play. By the way, love the show. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Um, actually, no, I, I, I'm hoping that in the future there will be a audio format that you guys will be able to download of my content. Uh, that is more news to follow on that. But so far, uh, I have no idea how to make the iTunes to let people. Us. Yeah. I can, I don't know I can how you help do you it, with Matt. that. You're I'm sure the, the Daily platforms. Wire can help you with that too, but I can definitely help you with that if you ever, you know, start, uh, or for instance, your streams, if you ever just wanted to post the audio of your streams on a, a podcast platform, it's not too difficult to do. Yeah. Maybe actually that's something worth considering. Yeah. Uh, and then Stan, lastly, Stan, I think, you know, Stan as well. Yeah, uh, glad you came back after the art incident. We're glad you came back too. Thank you, Stan. Okay. You ready to hop into, um, oh yeah. Hurricanes up first. I'm going to try to be quick with this. Cause like I said, um, I was expecting apocalypse and it's just like, you know, bad storm. Like I wouldn't want to be there and I, and I'm sure there's serious damage and, and that's very unfortunate. But this was the news I saw earlier in the week was like Florida is going to break off and like float away and sink into the ocean and be gone forever type stuff. And all the evacuation and all the chaos. Am I wrong in that? Or No, you're definitely right. And there was I mean, I don't know if you saw Jennifer Lawrence's little spiel about, how, you know, we're feeling Mother Nature's wrath. And there's there have been a lot of people saying trying to make this into, you know, this sign of global climate change. I don't know, apocalypse coming, which, you know, I'm not commenting on that, but it's just that you're right. There's a lot of hype about it. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, there are like a ton of people going without power. There is looting, but from what I can tell, it's nowhere near as bad as, let's say, even Harvey. But it's obviously still awful. I hope everyone's safe, but it's just it's not living up to the hype that was built around it. Uh, Two million power outages is what I saw reported. So this was previously category five and I'm not the meteorologist guy. I just know that category five is worse than category two. Right. It it was downgraded earlier to three and now down to two today that I saw. So that I guess that's just a downgrade in the storm severity. It went through the the Florida Keys and kind of um, it didn't go directly over Miami, but still hit Miami. I've got some footage to play. And now it's kind of working its way up the Gulf Coast or the Western Coast uh, of Florida. Now, the reason that I say that there was fake news associated with Hurricane Irma, I see this circulating on Twitter today. You see this clip circulating from some breaking news account on Twitter? Breaking news, downtown Miami completely underwater. You see that? I haven't seen that. And now we're getting a lot of rain. You can see it's, it's so, pretty dirty out there. It's some guy's video kind of pointing out, oh, look at all this water and all these waves. And to someone like me who doesn't really know Miami, I think, my God, like, that looks awful. That looks like there's an ocean in the street. It's like 2012, the the Uh, film. Oh, I didn't see that. Don't make movie references with me because I don't watch them. (laughs) It's pretty good. Surprisingly good. Roland Emmerich. Yeah, I... uh, well, every, everybody knows. Now there's going to be a million people in the chat mad about how I don't know movie references. And they're right, because I don't. <laughs> um, shame. Yeah, but so I originally saved this earlier today because I was, I was duped by this off the bat. I thought, wow, my God, that looks awful when I got up this morning. Barely able to if see it looks too awful to be true, that's because it is. That's the Miami River. 
that's <laughs> not a street. Like that is normally water that boats go through. So that's not to say that there isn't um, flooding uh, and there isn't water in the streets in Miami. There is, and there is destruction. But be careful of some of the reports on what it actually looks like. We do have footage of what it actually looks like here. This is um, a, a busted crane in downtown Miami. It's kind of hard to tell, but the wind actually broke the crane, and it's kind of flopped over. Little whirlwinds in the streets of Miami, which, by the way, Miami is essentially a ghost town, as are a lot of places in Florida, just almost entirely evacuated. Nobody's yeah. there, uh, which is good. That's it's good, even if, uh, even if the storm is not as powerful as expected. You know, you'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, these are, you know, oh, some wait, clips. I have to, I have to correct this. Someone, uh, via 2012, someone says more like the day after tomorrow than 2012. That is totally true. It is more like the day after tomorrow. It is okay. way more like the day after tomorrow. That is my bad. I apologize. Okay. Um, I would fake news you, but I have to keep rolling <laughs> through this and that would interrupt it. <laughs> Give you the fake news in, in show tradition, but, um, we'll keep going through. Uh, so yeah, so this is what the streets actually kind of look like. You know, we got, um, a big surge from the sea. We got water moving through the streets. The winds are very strong, um, in Miami, but this is sort of typical of what you'd expect. Now there were a couple of excellent news clips. The first of which is this local news team in Miami asking a family, well, why didn't you guys evacuate? You're oh, kind of crazy. Oh, you did see this. And the kid's yeah. answer is excellent. Why aren't you evacuating? If you can't hear, he says we're savages and he's got this great face. I just I love that kind of stuff. Local news is the best for those reasons. You know, you never you never know um, what they're going to say. There was that grabber by the P word thing a few years ago. Remember when that was a fad? Yeah, there have been yeah. A, a couple of great hot takes. And but my favorite thing is the like ensuing techno remixes. Oh. of the clips right that's that's yeah, the best yeah yeah but i think something that is interesting is that like we've been saying it's not as bad irma oh, right now going over florida but sorry can you hear me uh, well yeah i was thinking in my head because i mixed up memes trump said grab her by the p word the local news thing was f her right in the p word Oh, yeah, that's right. I just want to make been, sure that I'm The internet accurate. is a gift. We've been yeah. blessed. But uh, yeah, yeah, from what I've seen, it, it's been way worse when it was over the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, Cuba got hit really bad. And I think yeah. so did some of the islands like St. Bart's and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, and then there was this local news bit. Too, or This was Fox News. And sorry for the kind of crappy quality recording. I have The only thing I could find is people cell phone recording their TVs. I wish I had a better quality version, but I don't. They just asked this random guy. Hey, what do you think about the storm? And why have you evacuated? Whatever. And this guy is like an expert on the storm. We don't even need to explain it because this guy will explain everything you need to know. What do you think about the storm, the risk uh, to your own safety at this point? I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question. What do you think about the storm, the power, the ferocity, and the risk to your own safety at this point? Well, at this point, I'm very relieved to discover that as we speak, the eye of the storm is practically due south of us by 220 miles, yeah. okay, because it's crossing the 80th meridian, which is uh, 80 degrees west longitude. So I'm not, I'm not so worried because it's so far away and it's bearing as of 8 p.m. Westbound. Well, not just westbound, it was 275 degrees. That's only 1 15th above due west toward true north. Is he right? So this thing is moving and has been moving in a very westerly direction. And because it's several hundred miles south, 
the uh, risks are less and less. I'm not right. worried. I don't think it's going to get much worse than what we're seeing right here. Uh, thanks. <laughs> I just love that this random dude is some kind of expert. Give him a like job. He, yeah, clearly uh, he watches something better than Fox News, I guess. He's I very so. thoroughly informed. Um, so, so yeah, those are some of the entertaining pieces. And again, you know, this is not to minimize the destruction and, and the bad things that are happening. And I hope, um, I hope that everything works out and I hope, you know, people who do have property damage or I haven't heard reports of loss of life or anything yet, at least in the United States. Um, if that happens, of course, uh, we don't, we don't want it to happen, but all I'm saying is hoping for the best. I've seen a lot of really toxic political stuff around the hurricane, not only this hurricane, but Harvey. And it really bothers me that we politicize hurricanes. I saw, so I said, I have the Bill Maher clip. We'll play that in a second. I saw a comment on Bill Maher stuff on Facebook. It was a Bill Maher fan guy saying, and this is just a random internet commenter. So don't put too much stock in it, but this is the type of mental disease I'm talking about where he said, I hope this storm is more destructive than anyone thinks just so everyone will learn a lesson that we have to be serious about, you know, carbon emissions and climate change. And even if you're hundred percent right, and you can say, I told you so on climate change issues, why would you hope for human destruction to prove your right? Point? Especially as it's happening, you know? Yeah. Like there are currently people who are still probably worried about loved ones still in danger. So, I mean, let's, let's at least just wait until everyone's okay. Then we can start kind of trying to, you know, insert our political ideologies over this tragedy. Right. Yeah. Do the classy thing. Yeah. Well, Bill Maher got ahead of the game because on his show on the panel, they did it on Friday night, which is before any of this stuff hit the U S at least. And, um, I, like I said, it's, it's, it was my former favorite show turned my, you know, uh, current favorite hate watch. So many things about this like 45 second discussion just enraged me. What about, what about this other issue that you started to bring up, which is that the, these, these places that got flooded, like Texas, okay, um, they have a, a, a low tax base, so yeah. the federal government bails them out. Um, their governors, their legislators, they don't believe in climate science. Um, it seems like the responsible folks in this country the people with the pay a little more taxes and the people who believe in climate change are bailing out the people who hate government except when they need government right. when they're in trouble. Right. We, that seems a little unfair. We all noticed how quickly Ted Cruz changed yeah. the politics of, uh, I mean, of hurricane rescue when it was his people. Not <sighs> okay. I, the only thing I can say, to be fair, I don't know that he actually pre that he got ahead of Irma because I think this might have been his first show after Harvey so he's maybe politicizing Harvey to catching up there that's all the that's all I can say in terms of fairness because I hate every word of this but I can tell you might too so go for it right well I mean the thing is I I haven't really heard many members of the GOP correct me if I'm wrong complain about disaster relief funds uh that as far as I know is not a main platform of the Republican Party uh so when we're talking about I haven't really heard many conservatives complain that disaster relief is not a legitimate form of government. And people people make this statement a lot, you know, anytime there's something like conservatives, let's say, you know, abortion, right? The fact that a lot of conservatives are pro-life. Some Democrats will say, oh, but I thought you hated the government. Conservatives aren't ADCAPs, right? There, there is a difference. Uh, there are some legitimate forms of government, and I think most conservatives would agree that Disaster relief is one of them, especially when it's something as catastrophic as what we, you know, we saw going on with Harvey. But yeah, I mean, I just don't really get what the point he was trying to make. Obviously, maybe hurricanes are bad. Therefore, conservatives suck. Let's raise taxes. I mean, I'm not really sure. Yeah. There. Well, I, I agree with your your point there. Um, it, 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 
it really bugs me, I guess, to say, um, oh, well, if you agree that the government has a role in disaster relief or defense or you know, police, for example, well, then obviously you agree that socialism is the way to go. You agree that it's of the course. appropriate role for government to be in everything, not just disaster relief, not just police, not just, you know, a very limited set of things which disaster relief would fall into. No, you, you think that socialism is the way to go because you have to because it's either or. Mm-hmm. It's it's clearly there is no order. middle ground. It's either no government or all of the government, and you have to choose. Yeah, and so he says, I I feel like the responsible tax paying citizens are always bailing out the people who don't want taxes, who hate government. So he's saying, well, the answer here is clearly like uh, status quo or possibly even increased taxes because that's the responsible thing to do. I don't understand why the answer wouldn't be. Why isn't more properly managed taxation the answer to this? Like, why can't disaster relief be a priority in terms of tax allocation and we can cut away more frivolous items? To your point, I don't think there's anyone out there who looks at Harvey relief and goes, there we go again, fat cat Washington, you know, just taking in our money and throwing it out the window. You know, 49% not doing their jobs, but they want want a cut of what, you know, what I have. No, I I haven't heard anyone say that. Th- thank goodness, because that's not something that I think, you know, you or I support or most people support, regardless of political affiliation. I, he, he also characterizes, I need to see the numbers on this, because he says, you know, the federal government is basically bailing out Texas and Florida. I, I want to know, like, what, in terms of the money that it's, it's entirely possible that the most of the relief efforts are federal. Uh, it but I know that it's not all, right? We have state funds. We have tons of private charity money. I would like to know the breakdown of the resources. I'm not saying the federal government doesn't have a role in, in this stuff. I'm glad that we have a federal government that helps out the states when they're in emergencies like this. But I also think it's probably a mischaracterization to say that, oh, well, they're just getting bailed out by the federal government because they don't have anything because nobody else will help them. I don't think that's fair or true, but I don't have the numbers to comment on. I'm just kind of guessing. Right, especially, and he kind of tries to paint it as though because Texas has a low tax rate, they're kind of uh, net takers from the federal government. That's also not true. I mean, Texas has a huge economy, and even if you have, you know, a lower tax rate and like Texas state tax, they're still paying the same amount of federal tax to the federal government, right? I mean, yeah. that that's that, that's the same regardless of where you live in the country. Everyone pays the same federal tax. Yes. Um, the last point I had on this. Uh, I don't even like Ted Cruz, and it's not for like policy reasons. I just think it's he because looks he's like Cuban, a, of course, right? Well, yeah, that I'm a, I'm a raging there racist, of course. Point one, <laughs> uh, just ask Twitter about it or my email inbox occasionally. But point two, uh, he looks like a member of the Munster family to me. I find him to he comes off to me as like a used car salesman. I just don't. It's a stylistic thing. It's totally subjective, and um, it's not necessarily that I hate him for policy preferences A, B, or C. I just don't like him for subjective like stylistic reasons reasons. all that all that aside uh entirely unfair to say that he said that he told like hurricane sandy victims to go f themselves or whatever they're saying oh he's a hypocrite because now he wants relief money for his state but he opposed it for sandy the problem is the sandy relief bill in question was loaded with earmarks and pork and nonsense unrelated to sandy relief just do a clean relief bill you can't put a bunch of unrelated nonsense into a bill and then Try to set up people like Ted Cruz or whoever who might oppose it for the for the reasons that are unrelated. Oh, to the well, relief. you hate hurricane victims, yeah. then I guess, because you don't approve all these other earmarks that we've added and all this pork barreling we're trying to do. Yeah. 
So it's political gamesmanship so they can set up more political gamesmanship. It's just nonsense. Oh, well, Ted Cruz is a big hypocrite. It's... Ugh. I don't even like the guy, but he's he's not a hypocrite. And there's plenty at of at least clips, not for this reason. At least right? not for that reason. Right. Um, there's plenty of clips of him doing interviews on TV where he explains this and nobody, you know, nobody's going to offer the pushback. Maybe S.E. Cup did offer pushback on that. I don't know. I didn't. This show pissed me off too much to, to <laughs> listen to the, the whole thing. But any anyhow, um, that's really all I had on the hurricane. I, I don't know if I'm missing anything. Um, I haven't looked at it for the last couple of hours. But as far as I know, this. um. You know, it's a serious deal, but it's not the not the crazy uh, apocalypse that we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to say. I can't I hate this thing that they're doing with linking uh, hurricanes to climate change. Not because it's like I, I, I'm not prepared to say that that's a silly thing to do or not, because mm-hmm. I am not an expert on all the science and all that. I just like, I'm just not I'm not going to tell you that I am. What I don't like is these are all the same people who get mad when you say, oh, look, it snowed in X place. Therefore, climate change or global warming isn't real. They say, well, that's weather, not climate. That's one weather event. Then they turn around and there's a big hurricane and they, they link that to climate change. They link a singular weather event to climate change. So when they say, so if a singular climate or a singular weather event challenges the theory of climate change, then they say that's irrelevant. But if a singular weather event boosts up these climate change then theories, relevant, then, right. they, then they reference them. It's either or. You can't do both. Right. It's, it's inconsistent. And I think what I I found the most interesting is that there have been so many people, uh, sort of these doomsday Bill Nye-esque climate change advocates, um, trying to liken the earth to this, you know, Mother Nature, Gaia-type sentient being who is actively taking out her anger on you know, humankind in general, perhaps more specifically red states or Trump voting states, mm-hmm. uh, which is not how the, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that's not how climate yeah. works just in general. And I, you know, there are tons of evangelicals who might say the same things like, Oh, look, uh, Katrina hit New Orleans because it's a s- sinful state or whatever. And you know, it's, it's as ridiculous as that, but we're seeing it from the left now. Yeah. And for some reason, no one's really calling it out on their side. Like, Hey, perhaps this isn't cool. And perhaps this is not scientific. Yeah. And make no mistake for people who are listening and, you know, people who want to take a soundbite out of me and put it on Twitter or whatever. In no way am I a, quote, climate denier. Same. I I will defer to people with scientific scientific expertise on that. I just want an accurate characterization of the debate and people who think that, well, we might not want to completely destroy or or handicap our economy uh, to to respond to these particular scientific whatever you want to call them, scientific theories, scientific facts or whatever. There's just debate about what the appropriate human response is to our knowledge about carbon emissions and climate. And that's the honest debate. It's not climate denial. It's not whatever. Um, I just want these things properly characterized. And I don't think Bill Maher's show did anything close to an honest characterization of the other side. Not that I would expect it necessarily. But just don't misunderstand me. Okay. Um, well, let's catch up on Super Chat and then we'll move into DACA. Which is uh, very interesting, this DACA stuff. Oh, man. Where did I... Okay, here we go. Uh, Malcolm from the North. Trump, Harvey is a once in a 500-year storm. DJ Khaled, another one, another one. Okay. (laughs) Okay, who is that? I don't know who that is. I see him in memes all the time. I'm guessing he's some sort of music person, but I'm not hip enough. Yeah, he's... I don't know. I hear him in in the Cool Kids songs where he just goes, DJ Khaled! So, yeah. Um... Blonde and I always say we're getting too old, but you're younger than we are. So well, if yeah, you're getting too I, old. 
I'm not I'm not hip on the like urban music. I don't know. I, I listen to old stuff, so I feel like I'm left out of all of these like cultural references. I also feel that rap and hip hop, R and B music in general is very boastful. So I don't know. Oh yeah, I think that's a fair characterization. Not yeah, very always... not very many modest rappers out there. No, they're know? always like yelling out their names in the middle yeah. of their songs. It's like like the Rolling Stones didn't do that. There's a good Gosh, open market for that rap about like, I have a modest job and I drive an affordable economical car. Time to be humble, yeah. yo. Uh. <laughs> All right. Don't we'll, store we'll up goods it. on earth. Yeah. yeah. It'll make <laughs> okay. it. Volite says, just want to say hi to Roaming. Uh, make sure part of this donation goes to her channel. I will do that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, as far yeah. As, I say co-host because you're, you know, you're not just a guest tonight. You're filling in in a seat, the same seat that Blonde does. So um, because I don't support her on Patreon. Oh, okay. So he's offering support this way. Thank you. Uh, I live in the Bay Area and I (laughs) and I only make 180k a year, so I'm pretty much broke. Please keep your money. Like we can't. (laughs) You know, pay for your food. You poor person. Actually, Matt and I were just talking about that before the show. How expensive it is to live in places like California. So yeah, sympathies are sympathies. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Valte. Robert Atkinson. Either of you listen to. D. Murray, uh, Sam Harris podcast. Uh, Sam Harris ran Stefan Molyneux through the mud, and Murray made Sam seem like a cowardly cuck. Blonde and uh, Roaming ever have any problems with Steph? I've never spoken with Steph, and I wouldn't expect you to throw Steph under the bus. <laughs> on um, this platform, no. I, I'm not a fan of Sam Harris's take on identity politics that they discussed on the show. I did a video on that, but if you care to comment on anything... Or I watch or I listen to Sam Harris's podcast like semi regularly. If there's like a clip that's kind of making rounds, I'll go and listen to the entire podcast. Like there was this thing about him and like race realism that was going on, so I listened to that entire show. I haven't seen the uh, the, the episode I guess with him and Stefan though. Um, I, I haven't had any bad experiences with Stefan. Um, I don't agree with everything Stefan says, but I think overall he's a a net force for logic and rationality. So I appreciate that. Racist confirmed. There you go. Save the sound bite. Uh, Gabriel Lopez, you guys going to cover the latest PewDiePie woke moment. I'm just becoming aware of this. I, I have an email in my inbox about it, but I didn't look at it before the show. Are you aware of what this is? I am not aware. I, I, I feel like I'm behind on The last thing I heard of PewDiePie was the whole drama with him and the Wall Street Journal. But since then, I haven't really been keeping I up. I think he made – I might be – mischaracterizing it. I think he made like an N-word joke or something. People are freaking out about something he said that had a racial context. So I'll have to take a look. N says, say pussy Matt. Well, there you go. I did. Uh, Malcolm again says, uh, Larry David here really knows his weather. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Uh, Sven Servet. Whoa. Um, or who? Uh, who would you like to see as a viable third option in 2020? I love your videos. Both of you. Pineapple pizza rocks. I can uh, get on board with that. I don't think I have you on the record. You're shaking your head. No. Not a pineapple pizza person. I'm sorry. No. Well, now you're really filling in for blonde. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that you can have your own opinions and that's fine, but God will punish you for your sins, Matt. So I just hope you're ready for that. You know, live your life however you want, but we'll see. We'll see. I am, uh, as far as third party options, I am a fan of Austin Peterson personally, except for he's one of those libertarians that drops the ball on immigration and it really just ruins everything. Like I just need a Austin Peterson guy who gets it that like open borders are not going to work, man. So I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it open, but I do like the guy like 95% of what he says. I like, 
Mm-hmm. See, I'm not I'm not really up on third party candidates. I just I don't know. I'm kind of one of those cynics who doesn't believe that it's viable and not necessarily just because we all hate libertarians or Green Party people, but just because most people are kind of center in the United States and the Republicans and Democrats kind of represent center left and center right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. And uh, just, you know, logistically, I don't think that I would ever find it worth it to support a third party candidate just in terms of practicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Henry Posada says roaming is super hot. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Sean Pittman, new listener working through your back catalog daily would give more, but the rest went to uh, the RC. Thanks for what you do. Well, we appreciate it. And thank you for uh, giving my channel a look. El Chong goes back and says, Matt, you handsome devil. You take some of my money. Did you see the Ken Bone interview on Bill Maher? I didn't. I didn't catch that part. I saw some of the panel discussion. But yeah, Ken Bone, member red sweater guy last year. Um, from the Hillary, from the like town oh, hall yes, debate. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Ken Bone was on Bill Maher this week, so you might want to check that out. Uh, he seems desperate to prove Hillary is better. I'd have to listen to the interview. Maybe he, I don't know, I'd have to, uh, presumably he threw Trump under the bus, I guess. I'm gathering by the context of that, but maybe not. Uh, five bucks, Jake uh, Hartstern, roaming marry me. I will, he, he got down on his digital bended knee for you, so I I, I, I got to gotta see the ring first. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> That's a very blonde answer. Well done. Uh, David Howard, leftists inaccurately cite Cruz's past opposition to Sandy relief bill to push the anti-relief narrative. I agree. I think you do as well. Um, Yoda Economics, Cruz said Sandy relief because uh, opposed Sandy relief because it was loaded with pork. Obama couldn't get Sandy relief done in a timely matter, but Trump did. That's leadership. Uh, Steven Suarez, um, I'm now regretting not taking a selfie wearing a roaming shirt in Harvey's floodwaters. Ooh, wow. That would be bravery. Yeah. But uh, thank you for supporting both of our stuff, Stephen. Really appreciate it. And I hope Houston's doing better. He's, uh, Stephen's a frequent listener of ours, and um, he called in on a show, uh, to our show a few weeks back from Houston. Didn't have internet, but still had his cell phone. So ho- like I said to him at the time, I hope your internet's back. I, I, I can't live in a world without internet, you know? That's my biggest fear about living in a storm is there's no internet. Flood my house, just don't take my internet. Well, there is, I mean, I, I was in that position earlier this summer. Uh, my All of my electricity went out, which was kind of worse than no internet. But even without internet, which has happened to me a few times, there, you, there's so little you can do. A lot of things like, oh, you know, I can't I can't post this. It's okay, I'll just, I'll just watch something. Like, wait, I don't have cable, I stream everything. Yeah. Oh, that's okay, I'll just like, you know, read something, like an ebook. Like, oh wait, like my Kindle isn't like updated. I don't know, there's just, yeah, there's so much we rely on it It's for. the worst. I don't, I don't, if I could go back into a time machine to go to any point in time, I wouldn't because there's no internet and I have no interest in any of that. That's basically how I feel about that sort not, of thing. Not, not my life. Scott Malavi says, I don't know which is worse, um, me stabbing myself or them being insufferable about issue that we're almost in agreement over what is happening is what is supposed to happen. I'm not quite sure I understand. Um, I don't know who them is in that in that situation, unfortunately. So, uh, sorry, because sometimes we get to the super chats a little bit later, so the context gets lost about what we're talking about earlier. But thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Um, Nicholas, be interested in your take on the Aussie plebiscite uh, but I'll preemptively say that the Yes campaign has uh, denigrated the whole debate through dirty tactics and poor behavior. Okay, including a false flag poster. That's interesting because I was I was curious about what is leading to this increase in no momentum. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, make sure we're caught up before we move on here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to move quickly. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Really appreciate it. 
Roaming, what is your real first name? I'm curious. I don't even know. And I'm not going to put you on the spot to answer that if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be using it just yet. Um, I will tell you this, though. It's a very, very common name. Well, I have like I have two first names, like a, a lot of people with you know Asian parents do uh, an English one and a Chinese one, and my English one is a super super common name, so it's it's. I'm nothing... going on the record guessing, and you can don't don't tip. Okay. I'm just going to guess, and you can Blank tell me face. if I'm. Yeah, I can even t- take you off the screen if you want. I'm going to guess, and you can tell me if I'm right later or not. I'm going to guess Sarah. Really? And Why I'm, Sarah? That's that, that's just, like a very specific. You said it's a very no like common name, so okay. I don't it's, know it's about the Asian. It's not Sarah. Name. I'll tell you that. And it's sometimes I'll get like, um, sorry, I won't take this long, but sometimes yeah. I'll get comments that they're so sure of my name that it's actually like, it's nothing like my name. Like, well, Brittany, let me tell you this. I'm like, are you, no, Brittany's do you think I'm someone else? Like, yeah. why? I'm not Brittany. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, now we all look forward to it when the day comes, hopefully sooner rather than later. So we can have some resolution. No pressure. <laughs> Uh, time for some math. If YouTube takes 30% of this, then 2126 times 70 over 100 equals 1488 in your pockets. That's very clever. I appreciate that. Hey, Roaming, as a shout out to um, R6S, Rainbow Six Siege players, uh, can you say in a stern, no nonsense tone, setting the welcome mat? Okay, I haven't played that. I've only played Rainbow Six Vegas, but I'll try. I don't know the context of this, so sorry if I don't get this right. Setting the welcome mat. There no, wait, I'll do it again. Setting the welcome mat. Hopefully one of those is good. I don't know. Okay, there you go. Uh, Roaming isn't hip with the kids, so I guess that means I'm no longer alone on that feat. Well, yeah, neither. Blonde and I are not hip with the kids, so, you know, this is the home for people not hip with the kids. No, I know um, what I know what the dabbing thing is now. Like, Oh, I yeah, I've, I've never dabbed in my life, and I'm not going to do it on air. I so think, don't try. I think I get it. <laughs> now, I've, now, I've set this, now I've set the trap for people to try to get me to do it. Roaming, uh, will you also sub in for Blonde when she is on maternity leave? I don't know. We haven't discussed that, and that's a long way off. Um, so, well, uh, no answer on that. I'm not going to put mean, you on the spot. I, I, would, I would be down. I love this show. I, I, I'm very curious to see like when Blonde would be on maternity leave. I think that's the more exciting question. But I don't, I don't think she wants to take a lot of time off. To be honest, we, we'll have to leave this. But, um, but yeah, a lot of that's up to Blonde too. So. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I am not trying to push Blonde off the show. <laughs> Many conspiracy theories rise. No. Um, yeah, it's uh, we've developed, she and I have developed such a, I don't know, a dynamic at this point that it's like weird without her here. You know what I mean? I did the yeah, call-in show on Wednesday together. without her. I mean, and that's hard, now. finding someone that you have a, like a good rapport with that's reliable. That, yeah. I mean, I know I'm, I was kind of in the same position this summer. It's hard finding a yeah. co-host. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be quick because we really do got to get moving. Um, uh, again, Matt, you have cemented your place as one of my favorite YouTubers because you care about fairness and it shows. Here's some shekels. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. Uh, that from a Reverend at Dave. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Tropical Toucan. I missed that one. He did say the N-word, he being PewDiePie, but the woke moment was roasting Jennifer Lawrence for her being like Mother Nature is punishing us for voting Trump, I believe, what you were talking about. Um, okay, so that's clarification. Thank you. James Harrelson, Patriot Prayer Rally in Portland, Oregon today. Several Antifa arrested for assaulting police. Can't wait to hear you rip Antifa again, Matt. This coming from James Harrelson. Maybe I should. I feel like I'm a broken record on Antifa, but it's like, this, if it's not going to be on the actual news, then I'll do my part. I'll take a look at the story and thank you for um, letting me know. Uh, Jacob Cobberholm, Cop- uh, PewDiePie yelled N-word to his screen during li- uh, live streaming a game and immediately apologized. Okay, well, that clarifies. Thank you for supporting the show, Jacob. Cap Strong, most third-party candidates don't know how to set it up, so... Th- uh, how to set it up so they're briefed. 
Uh, they can't take themselves seriously, so why bother, in my opinion? Someone's got to, or else you end up with Gary Johnson, for the love Who of God. Who is the epitome of lizard, lizard man, yeah. not an actual human being. Yeah. Um, that from Capstrong. Thank you. Last one for now. Mr. P. Oh, you're in a flooded area in Florida wearing a roaming shirt. Please take a selfie. That's Steven Suarez. Look him up on Twitter. He might post it later. Thank you, Mr. P. Okay. We got to keep it rolling along. So appreciate everybody supporting the show and I'll get back to super chats momentarily or once we're finished with this topic or a couple of them got to get to DACA though. So what I want to do, uh, is talk about, be clear about what DACA is, why it's controversial what Trump and Jeff Sessions said this week, what they plan to do, and then, of course, the, the media freakout over it because the, the freakout is never proportional to whatever or even <laughs> consistent with what actually happened. So um, full disclosure, not an immigration policy expert, but I am an expert in the pre-show research that I put together before this. So, you know, I, maybe it, I know immigration is something that you talk about from time to time. So if I say anything incorrect, do let me know. You might know more on this than I do. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been through the whole thing. I think it's three times separately for different visas and stuff like that. So unfortunately I'm more familiar with the USCIS website than I ever wanted or hoped to be. So yeah. Hmm. Okay. So as, as I understand it, so DACA is an, is an acronym, like all laws mm-hmm. and federal programs, but uh, it, it, it's Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And this started under Obama in 2012. Congress has been trying to figure out what to do with these dreamers. So when you hear that, that's kind of, I don't even like using that term because I consider it kind of a loaded, it's almost charged. propaganda term. Yeah. What you're talking about when you hear dreamers is, is kids who came to the United States illegally through the actions of their parents, but not through their fault. Like, it's not like the child made the decision, well, I'm going to migrate mm-hmm. to America um, illegally. But a lot of them have been here for a long time, and they're adults now after coming here, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. Because Congress couldn't ever figure out what to do with these people, in 2012, the Obama administration takes federal action and creates this DACA program, which allows... Some individuals who entered the country illegally as children or minors, they get to receive deferred action on deportation and eligibility for a work permit. And as of 2016, mm-hmm. there are about 800,000 or 2017, about 800,000 of these individuals enrolled in the program. Now, why is this controversial? And I want to be really clear because there are a couple reasons this is controversial and people just muddle them together, especially the news. Because you can have two different positions on both of these things. On policy, of course, I think it's controversial and certainly a lot of disagreement to the question of does someone have a right to stay here simply because they came as a child? Mm-hmm. get a lot of different answers on that. Um, and then the second is on process. So on policy, does someone have a right to stay here just because they came here as a child? On process, though, how this, how this policy came to be, this policy was enacted without Congress. Okay, Congress creates law, the executive enforces law. DACA is not just a refusal to enforce existing immigration law. It's creation of a new policy and it's from the executive. It's not from right. the, it's not from Congress. So a lot of people have a problem regardless of what the policy is. Problem with DACA and a lot of people believe it to be unconstitutional and it's been the subject to a bunch of legal battles. 26 states sued the federal government over it. Um, because of these legal battles, at least as what Jeff Sessions said, the, the federal government had an obligation to make a decision over whether this is lawful or not. And the Trump administration and Attorney General Jeff Sessions have said they believe no. Mm-hmm. So don't 
you know, a lot of the news coverage is on the emotional end of like, well, they're children. They, they should, they, you know, they should be here. It's cruel. We'll get to that in a moment. It's cruel to kick them out or whatever. But as a matter of policy and principle, do you really want policy just coming out of the president as opposed to Congress this way? Right. And people are upset, not like, cause it wasn't the Obama administration just saying, Hey, we're not going to be enforcing deportations when it comes to dreamers. They were actually, like you said, handing out, uh, these right to work permits. Mm-hmm. Right. So there we're not, we're, we're not just seeing a change in the way that laws are being enforced or not enforced, but they're actually by handing out those permits. I mean, that's, that's more of a legislative issue. And so a lot of people, myself included, think kind of, okay, you know, regardless of how we feel about these, you know, dreamers, is this something, like you said, we want the president to be taking, you know, executive action over. Yep. So let's listen to what Jeff Sessions had to say, uh, because he'll explain his thinking as attorney general. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. The DACA program was implemented in 2012 and essentially provided a legal status for recipients for a renewable two-year term, worker authorization, and other benefits, including participation in the Social Security program uh, to 800,000 mostly adult illegal aliens. The policy was implemented unilaterally to great controversy and legal concern after Congress rejected legislative proposals to extend similar benefits to, on numerous occasions to this same group of illegal aliens. In other words, the executive branch, through DACA, deliberately sought to achieve what the legislative branch specifically refused to authorize on multiple occasions. As Attorney General, it is my duty to ensure that the laws of the United States are enforced and that the constitutional order is upheld. Acting Secretary Duke has chosen appropriately to initiate a wind-down process. This will enable the Department of Homeland Security to conduct an orderly change and fulfill the desire of this administration to create a time period for Congress to act, should it so choose. We firmly believe this is the responsible path. If a president can claim sweeping discretion to suspend key federal laws, the entire legislative process becomes little more than a pretense. Okay, I know everybody enjoyed that captivating Jeff Sessions experience, but I, I want to emph- charismatic man. <laughs> yeah. I want to emphasize, and he did speak to some of the negative aspects of unchecked immigration in terms of what that means in his opinion to the American worker and, and security and other aspects. But I do want to emphasize the one thing that a lot of media is not covering is this constitutional legal principle angle on this, that no matter whether you like the policy or not, we got to be honest about how this came to be and whether we're comfortable with that precedent. So the other thing I want to explain is what Trump himself has said. So Trump just sent Sessions out to do this. I think he that was Tuesday. On Tuesday, Sessions made that statement. Trump has not, to my knowledge, not done much formal other than tweeting about this and commenting here and there. But I don't think he, if he had a press conference on anything or on this or anything, I missed it. But what he did say is, um, so they're going to defer or um, implementation of this repeal. So taking away the policy is going to be uh, suspended for six months. So if you're an existing enrollee in the DACA program, you can renew in that time frame for two years. Um, But if nothing changes, if Congress doesn't do anything, 
then eventually um, these individuals are going to become eligible for deportation. But Trump is repeatedly saying it's time for Congress to act. And he says mm -hmm. if, if uh, Congress does nothing in that time, he will revisit it. So there's to me, there's no reason to suppose that Trump is pushing hard for deportations. In fact, he's being explicit about how people for the time being are going to be protected from deportations. And to the point that I don't think Trump is particularly vicious on this issue. He tweeted right. out. He tweeted there out. Were, um, sorry, go for it. Well, I mean, just because of the way the DACA program was enacted, you actually, if you were a dreamer, had to submit your personal information along with your name and address to be eligible for this program. So there was a lot of fear among dreamers and advocates that, you know, with Trump rescinding DACA, that he would be going after these people with their the, you know, the whole entire portfolio of these people's information that the Obama administration has collected. Trump has now said that he's not going to do that. Um, so, you know, he could be coming after these people in a very forceful way. But I, it seems to me like he's just sort of not repealing the special exemption that was given to them. But I agree with him that these people aren't more more of a threat than, let's say, MS-13. Right. So, hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't support the idea of a a path to citizenship that allows them to skip the line that illegal immigrants have been waiting in. But at the same time, I personally think let's keep it in perspective. They're not, you know, all of drug mules and rapists. So sure. The, uh, the one point on this that I, I thought was particularly interesting in terms of Trump not being as aggressive on this as I think the media is painting him as, as is, uh, Nancy Pelosi quote, boom, boom, boom. The tweet appeared Nancy Pelosi gets on the phone and tells Trump, hey, I need you to go on Twitter and reassure the dreamers that they're not going to be deported during this six month period. And Trump says, apparently, yeah, sure, I'll do that for all those. He tweets out for all those DACA uh, enrollees that are concerned about your status during the six month period. You have nothing to worry about. No action. No action. Exclamation point. Can you believe that Nancy Pelosi got Trump to tweet something like Nancy Pelosi manipulated Trump's Twitter account. Nobody's been able to control Trump's, Trump's tweets, but Nancy Pelosi is able to get him to tweet out this thing that is very um, reassuring to dreamers, to, which to me tells me he's not set in stone on this. Yeah, I don't know. Being, I do feel deported. that Trump has, after kind of seeing all the backlash, maybe toned down his approach. I don't think he was ever going to start mass deportations, but I feel like he's being a lot more conciliatory conciliatory toward dreamers than he was previously. I yeah. don't think this is due to Nancy Pelosi single-handedly, but... Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, well, that's what she says. And I don't know if Trump has responded. So Nancy Pelosi is known to have a, um, a casual relationship with the truth. And that's probably right. being like that charitable. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, like I said, cue the media outrage. So I've seen several different pieces of like themes in the media coverage. There was this montage put together that, um, why can't I get the video to come up? Hold on. Technical difficulties. Let's try this. Um, there's a lot of themes coming up here in terms of the media coverage. So the things I see, there's totally mischaracterizing what's going on, as we'll see David Gregory do. That's not really a theme. It's just a gaffe of sorts that I thought was interesting. But everyone is using this word cruel. And then, of course, it's racist. Like if, if you don't think that someone, someone who comes here um, because of their parents' irresponsible action that the, that it's racist not to let them stay here, even though there's no racial element to that proposal at all. Like it doesn't matter what the race of the person is. Right. And to me, the assumption that, oh, you don't want illegal immigrants here. That means you hate Mexicans or whatever. Like that's yeah. a racist assumption, right? You're kind of assuming that all illegal immigrants are Mexicans or that Mexicans are 
all illegal immigrants or, you know, one of those two, neither of which is true. Yeah. So <laughs> as if everyone is parroting, parroting each other, the amount of times the word cruel was used this week was just insane. But first, let's listen to David Gregory just completely um, obfuscate this whole thing. These dreamers are Americans like my own children. Uh, they were born here. They contribute to society. They well, part they of what makes the country children. flourish. Sorry? They weren't born here. I mean, that's they came here as children. No, I understand that, but I'm saying they... Sorry, yes. They were born here. No, that's actually the point. They were not They would be here. citizens if they were born here. Yeah. Right. But even that, like to say... I think I think that there's certainly a debate that we probably should be having about that issue. Of mm. course, if you're born here currently, you are a US, U.S. citizen. But should that be the case? I think there's a debate there. His point well, is... Well, America is one of the very few countries that has that law, which a lot of people don't talk about. You know, yeah. a lot. It, if you ask that question, you're made to seem like this unbelievable bigot. But actually, America is the exception when it comes to birthright citizenship, mm. not the rule. In any case, yeah, I just I, I love that these people, the talking heads on TV are supposedly telling us how to think about these things, but don't have like the central point of it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point is they they were not born here. That's kind of the kind of a of central theme to this. Yeah. yeah. So here's a montage. I even cut this down from whoever put this together. You can find it on YouTube. I'll link it in the description. I even cut this down from how many times people are using this word cruel. You heard it in the intro as well. But my God. President Obama, who enacted the original policy, called President Trump's decision cruel. President Obama's right. It's cruel. We are talking here about a, a, a cruelty of, of, of quite a magnitude. Uh, look, at the end of the day, this may go down as the most cowardly and cruel move ever by a president in the modern uh, United States. And we're just going to go and cruelly just take them away from this life. To end the DACA program is one of the most cruel and ugly decisions ever made in the modern history of this country by a president. So you have a president Ever. needlessly tormenting hundreds of thousands of hardworking Americans with a cruel and capricious policy. Uh, Joe Biden has just tweeted, brought by parents, these children had no choice in coming here. Now they'll be sent to countries they've never known. Cruel, not America. All the statement reads, it's wrong because it's cruel to send these young people to places many of them have never lived and do um, not know. Only in a cruel a nation, do you take 800,000 documented people and make them undocumented? Bring the bejeebers out of all these kids. In other words, there's a cruelty there. This is one of the most cruel acts we've seen in the presidency in a long time. This is, so one, this was a cruel, inhumane, and unnecessary move. The decision by the Trump administration is cruel. This amounts to like cruel and unusual punishment to like innocent children. Immigration advocate. When did they like let like junior high talking like kids on like CNN? I don't know. It's like, like, like weird, like totally not okay. <laughs> oh, I swear um, it's almost over. When they talk over, about like through. recent history, are, are we just kind of breezing over the whole internment camp thing? Is that not that <laughs> recent? It's, are we talking about the last 10 years since Obama? What, what is recent history to them? Yeah, that is a good question because even if I think worst thing, you know, the most cruel thing in the, in recent history, I mean, even if you were to say in this millennium, that's probably debatable. But yeah, I mean, if you're going last century, certainly there are some contenders. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think the uh, people brought up this point. I'm and I'm not someone who thinks that, you know, every dreamer is an awful person and a threat to national security. But, you know, there are tons of people who might come illegally where you'd say, yeah, you could probably make a, a, a fine citizen. But the point is that you have to enforce rule of law. And yeah. I personally would love to see a way for these dreamers. You know, a lot of people talk about how they're 
pretty educated, at least more educated than first-generation legal immigrants. I would love to see a way for them to, you know, do things properly, apply for citizenship or at least legal status like anyone else. And, you know, if they really do have all of these skills that people are talking about, if they really are this assimilated to the culture, then hopefully if there's an immigration process that works, that does favor, uh, you know, assimilation and skilled labor, they'll be able to come in the right way. That sounds like a principled perspective, which is very rare these days. Um, probably has no place uh, in no terms place of in me- politics. No, so. Yeah, no place in politics or mainstream media. Got a few more cruel clips, and then we're almost done. Kids say the move to cut them God. off is cruel. But- a cruel decision, cold-hearted. As an undocumented immigrant and a DACA beneficiary, the announcement today was cruel. It's cruel. Okay. Cool. Then there's just a couple clips. Of course, we discussed it. It's racist. This is racist, even though it doesn't matter. The country from which you come, the color of your skin does not matter. <laughs> In terms of the principles you articulated, race doesn't matter. But still, it's racist. Well, I think what happened is a continuation of the Republican determination to cut out Hispanic votes on their side for as long as we can see. This is a rejection on the part of the Republican Party that we have Hispanic citizens in this country and other people. Well, I have a question, too. When, when he said, um, you know, their desire to cut out Hispanic voters, do, do Dreamers or DACA enrollees, do they get to vote? No, they don't, actually. Okay. Uh, only citizens can vote, and DACA did not approach anything near citizens. So, no, they could not vote. They, they were not supposed to be voting. Who knows if they actually were, but no, they were not. If they were following the law, they're not supposed to be voting. So it does, his, I mean, not only is the racism thing nonsensical, but his, his whole point is nonsensical for, uh, in several layers. All right, just confirming. Who, in many ways, are inclined to share their values. Stu Spencer, the genius of Ronald Reagan's campaigns, used to say, we should have the Hispanic vote in our corner. These are people who are family-oriented, they're faithful, they work hard, they've got all those values. But for a long, long time, the Republican Party has been declaring war on Hispanics in this country. It goes... <laughs> You know, I was um, I was in Big Timber, Montana yesterday. I was hanging out with my dad all day yesterday doing father-son outdoor activity stuff. Tom Brokaw has a ranch just south of Big Timber, Montana. I should go to that ranch and just tell him how wrong he is, Tom Brokaw. Just give him no, a you should go mind. into that ranch and just set up shop there without That's permission. Because apparently he's fine with it. I'm a ranch dreamer, Tom Brokaw. Right. Don't be racist. <laughs> I'm just here to, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll help. I'll do some work, but I would also like to take advantage of uh, everything that you've built here for my own personal. And I feel like the premise he's setting up, the fact that because a lot of Republicans and you know Democrats on this too, right? Like amnesty is not equal to every Democrat. There, there are plenty who don't agree with that. But the idea that because Republicans want immigration laws in force they are anti-Hispanic or that they are turning away the Hispanic people as if all Hispanic people want is just open borders with Mexico. You know, that's, yeah. that's not oh, the that's, case. Yeah, there's certainly pl- plenty of legal Hispanic immigrants who are not right. on board with a Especially lot of these if you look at, ideas. You know, uh, Cuban immigrants who largely in Florida, they have very strong support for immigration enforcement. Yeah. Um, and now we get to hear David Gergen tell us how racist we are, too, and then we're done. It's a very basic things, whether you have respect for minorities, whether you have a belief in diversity, whether you think this country should welcome and continue to hold up the Statue of Liberty as a symbol of what we believe in. Yeah, increasingly, there's a sign out that it's been hung up in the White House or outside the White House saying, if you're not white, you're not especially welcome. Mm-hmm. And that just that, that, that is so sad. It's not just not who we are. Ah. Uh. 
I'm ready to move on from this if you are. It just just frustrates me when people try to make immigration into this race issue when, you know, immigrants come in every color, right? Uh, Immigrant is not equal to Mexican, which I feel like a lot of these people, especially on the left, seem to think it does, which which it doesn't. Yeah. I did. um, I set this. I wanted to. I wanted to leave the listener with an understanding of the distinction between the policy and the process and the principles that you were describing. Um, I will also say on policy, when people say, well, you can't blame the dreamers. They, you can't blame them for the actions of their parents. Okay. So I better never hear an argument about white reparations or white privilege or any of that crap ever again. I also better never hear anything about taxing inheritance ever again, because you can't blame those rich kids for the actions of their parents so they should get all that money. I just want a little consistency. I'm not even endorsing one idea or the other. I'm just saying you can't if 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 you can't blame anybody for the actions of their parents, let's stick with that standard. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, you know, blaming someone for the actions of their parent, that implies that returning to country of origin is a punishment like you know if you're in an apartment that your parent can't afford and the landlord has to evict you, is he blaming you or is he just yeah. kind of enforcing law? Like there's a difference, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I wanted to say on the process too, the, to your final point and what we've been discussing about how are we comfortable with the precedent of the president being able to establish policy in this way? Mm-hmm. If you really hate Trump, as all these people do, you really hate Trump. You should actually be cheering this. You should be saying, wow, isn't it great that he's sending policy this 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 uh, legal area back to the legislature where it belongs. Isn't that great? He's not seizing presidential power, at least in this aspect. I'm happy for that. Even if you don't like Congress, even if you hate Ted Cruz and Paul Ryan, if you hate Trump um, one more degree or Mitch McConnell or whoever, if you hate Trump one more degree, this is still better. You know, there's more heads being put together in Congress and power is, is even more um, widely spread. So you should be happy about that, even if you hate the guy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like on this issue, people are kind of they, they care more about the executive action that's being done rather than the integrity of separation yeah. of powers. Right. I mean, Trump has done a ton of executive orders that I don't even agree with in terms of, you know, purview of what his power can do. But in this case, I think Obama kind of overstepped more so than Trump has done so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, it's it's a lack of principles. It's just, hmm. Do I care that the president is, you know, unilaterally creating policy? Well, it depends what the depends policy. Depends on the policy. If right? I <laughs> like it, then it's cool, man. Nope. Sorry. I like our constitutional separation of powers. That's, I think that's pretty great. Oh, yeah. Um, dirty centrist. The, <laughs> the la- no, that's an alt-right position, actually. To, oh, you, interesting. Thinking the constitution is generally well-structured is now an alt-right position. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, the only other thing I, I wanted to say... Um, in terms of the president's role in all this, I, I have some points of appreciation and points I don't necessarily like. I, I will say I like that he's sending a legislative decision back to the legislature. I think that's great. But I see this working out a lot like healthcare did, where he's just saying, hey, Congress, send me a bill. And then Congress is like, well, what, what do you want, dude? Like, what will you sign? Marco Rubio said something to that effect. And he, like healthcare, I haven't seen him yet. Take a leadership role and say, here's a solution I think could work. And I think he's missing a political opportunity because I think there are a lot of people, myself included, that if you close the border, I'm persuadable right. about what to do with um, with people who are already here. Like I'm persuadable to people rip me for it, maybe rightfully so, but I can entertain ideas about giving people who are here 
and are contributing, you know, and they're not criminals outside of the fact that they've migrated against the law. I'm persuadable in terms of giving them a path to citizenship. Potentially, you just got to close off the border and stop the flow. So I would what I would like to see him do is propose a deal. Look, we the legislature will enshrine DACA even we will make it the legal standard by law. And as part of the deal, build the wall, give us money to build the wall. And that's such a good point, because I think a lot of people who are against uh, you know, giving dreamers path citizenship. The reason why we oppose it is not because we hate these people, but it's because it sets a dangerous precedent for illegal immigrants. Hey, if you manage to sneak over with your children and last long enough, they will become legal eventually. And for a lot of people, that is a risk they're absolutely willing to take. Hey, just bring them over. No matter what happens to us, at least our children will have legal American status. And for a lot of people, that's something worth killing and dying for. Um, But if we shore up the border beforehand, that at least kind of mitigates that potential incentive of more people coming over and doing that. And, you know, Anytime we've seen talks of amnesty come up in the past, like under Clinton, it's always like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll show up the border, but let's talk about these people first. No, it should be the exact opposite way. Border mm. first, then let's discuss about what yeah, to do with this I people. agree. You, you stop the main source of the problem, and I think we can talk about right. different Compromise, ideas from there. Definitely. And I think most people are, are kind of with what you and I are saying. I don't know. I'm sure there's a healthy pop, healthy percentage of people in the chat calling me a cuck or whatever, but that's fine. That's fine. I don't mind. Um, speaking of the chat, let's catch up on super chat before we move on to Betsy DeVos. I'm going to try to hustle along here. I asked you for 90 minutes and I don't mean to put you on the spot. If you have to go at 90 minutes, we'll cut something out. But if you want, I'm good. I'm okay. good. So I'll, I'll still try to hustle along. Cause I said at the top of the show, but appreciate you making the time for us. I mean, this, uh, yeah, sure. I don't know what we would have done. I might've done the show solo and it wouldn't have gone as well. So, <laughs> so thank you for sitting in. Um, Stan says new weekly segment, no longer Muslim attack of the week. No, it's the, we do a segment called the nothing to do with the religion of peace terror attack yes, of the week. No. Okay. It's not the Muslim Stan's wrong on that. He's fake news. It will be the Antifa attack of the week. We are at that point. Uh, Constantine says Trump is so cruel. It's like he imposed sanctions that starved 500,000 Iraqi children. Oh wait, that was Bill Clinton. No, that's not in recent history. That's that's not recent. Recent history starts from when yeah. Trump became president. That's, obviously, that's, yeah, that seems to be the case. It's yeah. well, even if that's the standard, I can think of some things that are more cruel. <laughs> I don't know. I probably could think of things that are more <laughs> cruel than this that he's done. <laughs> okay, uh, Stan Daca, we don't want uh, to make those people pay for the sins of their parents. Those same people screech at white people about slavery and their history. Exactly, exactly the same thing that I that I um. Uh, that I that bugs me is it's just consistency, man. Um, Joel Dykeman, I'm against DACA because it's a presidential overreach. Let Congress deal with it. Uh, it would be political suicide to let this fail. Agreed. Uh, Sven, race doesn't matter. It's all about culture and willingness to adopt the host country's culture. That's why peeps from the Middle East tend to suck. Well, I'm sure he was called a cuck and a you know and this and that and the other in the chat. But <laughs> thank you for that, Sven. Um, John Mark, I have to guess as to Roaming's name, uh, as to what Roaming's name is, American Yolanda, <laughs> Asian, oh my gosh, I have to read this because I said I would, Ping Pong McSushi. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. How did you know? How did you know? McSushi, a very affluent uh, Asian family. Hold on. I give these out where they're, <laughs> the McSushi family, give these out where they're due. That's, that's for, um. <laughs> That's for John. Uh, Joshua, my question is, if there are immigrants who came here legally, especially with their children, uh, what's the excuse for those who came here illegally? Good question. 
Joseph, no amnesty for childhood arrivals. They have some place to go. Um, I can't leave. Uh, I can't up and move abroad for work. Why would Congress dilute my franchise for people who are enfranchised somewhere else? I think that's a good question too. Scott Malavi, I am thinking Stefan has it right. If your parents rob a bank, do you get to keep the money? Fair point. Uh, you can't, you can't, I mean, you got the money. It's not your parents' fault. You know? Yeah, you'd be blaming the children by taking away the money. We yeah. can't blame the children. Uh, the president and laws aren't cruel. The president are the, the parents who willfully came here illegally and willfully legally bought brought their children are cruel that's from the coward uh liberius i think that's fair uh um, yeah, that's a good Gab- point we don't hear about gabriel's back again uh skag three you are a very talented human not assuming gender <laughs> thank you i look forward to your sunday wednesday shows and your regular videos next show i'll go back to faggotry super chats instead of uh oh cocksucking ones i don't know i'll probably get censored by youtube for that but thank you thank you for um thank you for your polite treatment of me let's put it that way <laughs> Thank you, Gabriel. We always love hearing from you in the chat. Uh, these are Scott says these are fucking adults, not children, um, and are given access to welfare and social security without getting citizenship. I did see that. I believe that's true, right? They're they have access to these federal programs, even though they're mm-hmm. not citizens. That's kind of yeah. crazy. Um, Cap Strong, Lowell, has anybody actually looked at the Mexican government's approach legally to the Maya in the Yucatan or the uh, Mestizos? Mestizos. Um, Mestizos. I'm not familiar with that. Are you? Uh, with the Maya and the Yucatan, no, but I know the Mestizos are kind of like the mixed race, uh, mm-hmm. like the mixed race with uh, Europeans, generally a bit lighter skin, I think. Um, but I know Mexico is very, very strict with illegal immigration, and they will they will deport you in a heartbeat. And they're actually they're either planning to or there already is a wall on their southern border. So this is very, very interesting. The proper term is cruel. That's the cruel, word you're looking yes. for. Yeah, cruel. Uh, stands back. Broca and Bernie need to go to the home. The tapioca and bing, uh, it's tapioca and bingo time. Uh, tapioca pudding. My God. I, I, uh, I hate tapioca pudding this last week. I had to take care of my girlfriend who had her wisdom teeth out. And then, so she went to the store beforehand and it was full of tapioca pudding. And I've just been, uh, I don't know. I was ripping her all week for buying tapioca pudding. Cause it's so disgusting. I don't care if you need soft food. It's gross. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm I'm more into. I mean, I like rice pudding. That's I guess kind of an old person yeah. thing. But tapioca, I draw the line. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Stan. I agree that it is tapioca time for them. Um, Al Justice Zero. Life is cruel when done the right way. Why do we need a challenge mode on top of that by holding the door open for everybody else first? Fair, fair point. Uh, Heather Valas, uh, Valasano. Doubling Stan super chat because he was so on point about DACA. Well, there you go. Somebody has a somebody has a match policy for Stan's super chats. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for supporting the show, Frank Underwood. When the media, Democrats, and rhinos use the name or use the same emotional keyword over and over, they are trying to manipulate the people. It is psyop in real life. I have to admit, it's strange that that particular word was just repeated ad nauseum. Very yeah. weird. It implies. Excuse me, that's a blue moon interruption. It implies coordination, you know? Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, they, they kind of already use all the same talking points, but when you have a specific word being used, it does make you wonder. Yeah. And last one for right now, USM 536 vids. Thanks for a year of insightful commentary. Normally an audio-only listener. Bring it on, Irma. Well, I hope uh, if you're in Irma's path, all the best. And thank you for listening to the show wherever you do listen to it. Appreciate that very much. Thank you, UM536Vids. Okay, 
try to keep it moving here because we've got plenty more to go. Um, this next one will be quick because all I want to do is just talk about, so it's Betsy DeVos reforming this, this Title IX approach on campus sexual assault. I just want to listen to what Betsy DeVos had to say and just kind of outline some of the problems that have come along with this. I suspect you and I will have a very similar take on this spoiler alert. But again, this comes down to principles. It's, it's like, I keep saying the big uh, cultural fracture we have with like the far left right now. I, I think like, what is the what is the central point of disagreement? And to me, it's like Bill of Rights or not. Nah. Like, you think the Bill yeah. of Rights is like a cool thing or no? And um, this is where we get into the due process aspect of Bill of Rights or not. Nah. And so to, to, to catch people up who aren't familiar, uh, Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, announces this plan. We'll listen to her briefly here on Thursday that she's going to review and reform, uh, perhaps kind of repeal Obama era sexual assault guidelines on uh, or for college campuses. And I guess they'd apply to public schools as well, you know, high schools and stuff. But mm -hmm. generally you think of sexual assault as a college issue yeah. mostly. Um, so the way this came to be in 2011, Obama guidelines pushed school districts and college leadership to combat sexual assault, saying that they were required to do this under Title IX. Now, Title IX, Title IX is a big all-encompassing law. Basically says, I mean, it's the spirit of it is basically one sentence. Um, you're going to provide equal educational opportunity to men and women, boys and girls, or you will lose federal funding going to your institution. This is a reason that we have you know, equal sports opportunities for boys and girls at school. If you're going to have football, you offer girls volleyball, and there's matching opportunity for boys and girls. Generally, pretty good idea, I think. I don't think anybody has... Or few people. I guess there are some problems because you run into funding things yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I've, I've heard but... people complain about funding when it comes to sports. But yeah. I, as I am not a sport person, I, oh. I can't comment on that. Well, now you're really filling in for Blonde well because I can't even talk about football or whatever. But see, uh, you you might allow it. And Blonde, you know, Blonde puts the hammer down if I even try to mention sports. You see my <laughs> eyes glaze over. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> But generally speaking, I think most people are on board with the idea that as a public institution, you should have equal opportunity for boys and girls. Maybe there are some small problems associated with that, but I don't think that's particularly controversial. What is controversial is the Obama administration in 2011, their Department of Education issuing these guidelines that say sexual assault is an impediment to women's opportunity in education. Therefore, you as the educational um, institution have a, a duty to combat sexual assault in-house. And if you don't do that, then we're going to take away your federal funding. So that's not, I mean, th that means they have an affirmative duty, you know, like they have to take active steps. What's, what's happened is you basically have these judicial systems within colleges to punish people within the college for sexual assault. And because these exist outside of like your typical court, we have the guidelines also push things like lower standards of evidence that would be present at a criminal trial. So you got a lot of problems in terms of people accusing other people, women accusing men more often than not, of sexual assault, and then a lower standard of, of proof. And of course, that's not even to mention like the, the media hysteria and other things that goes along with just an accusation of sexual assault. And um, Betsy, DeVos and com Betsy DeVos comes out and says, we're going to rethink this, this policy because it's producing about a lot of bad outcomes. Uh, and uh, I think we've kind of thrown due process under the bus. So let's listen to what Betsy had to say, and then I'll, I'll get your reaction on it. Here's Betsy. 
The truth is that the system established by the prior administration has failed too many students. Survivors, victims of a lack of due process, and campus administrators have all told me that the current approach does a disservice to everyone involved. A student says he or she was sexually assaulted by another student on campus. If he or she isn't urged to keep quiet or discouraged from reporting it to local law enforcement, the case goes to a school administrator who will act as the judge and jury. The accused may or may not be told of the allegations before a decision is rendered. If there is a hearing, both the survivor and the accused may or may not be allowed legal representation. Whatever evidence is presented may or may not be shown to all parties. The notion that a school must diminish due process rights to better serve the victim only creates more victims. A better way sh also means we shouldn't demand anyone become something they are not. Students, families, school administrators are generally not lawyers and they're not judges. We shouldn't force them to be so for justice to be served. The era of rule by letter is over. Through intimidation and coercion, the failed system has clearly pu pushed schools to overreach. With the heavy hand of Washington tipping the balance of her scale, the sad reality is that Lady Justice is not blind on campuses today. We will launch a transparent notice and comment process to incorporate the insights of all parties in developing a better way. We will seek public feedback and combine institutional knowledge, professional expertise, and the experiences of students to replace the current approach with a workable, effective, and fair system. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think the Obama administration's interpretation of Title IX was a gross overstep, and it was not at all what the you know the title was originally meant to apply to, right? I think if you look at that and think, oh, schools now have a duty to, uh, you know, in, enforce punishment against people who've been accused of raping. Like, I think that's a that's a really weird interpretation that I don't think is natural when you read it. Uh, second, I think from what Betsy DeVos just said, it's very clear that she's not saying that rape is okay or that, you know, rape survivors should just suck it up and that nothing's going to be done. No, I think oh, that was a direct actually... quote. I, I cut that part out. I didn't oh, want to yeah, make her sorry. like that. But yeah. <laughs> no, but I think this is, this is smart <laughs> and this is a way of trying to at least ensure that people who are facing these accusations aren't being thrown under the bus and aren't being expelled or having their lives ruined or at least their academic careers ruined because of something they haven't had a chance to properly defend themselves again. And actually, I'm one of those people who thinks that, you know, rape is an actual crime. Uh, yeah. It's something that's punishable by law. I'm not really sure why these schools are interfering in the first place. If you are someone who's on campus who has experienced rape or any type of sexual assault, please go to the police. Please go to the actual police because they are the ones who are going to be able, uh, you know, to do things like uh, rape test kits and you know, actual prosecution. Because this, you can go to jail, right? And I think that's a much much stronger deterrent and heavier punishment than being banished from school, right? I, yeah. The the reason why girls are going to their schools instead of the police, I I just don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, uh, I I sort of came to the same question because, like every other topic we discuss on this show, I have a casual understanding of it, and I try to I try to make that um, as as accurate as I can with occasional mistakes, but. Um, I was out of school when this decision, I graduated 2010. I was out of school when this decision was put into place. Like I don't have direct experience with how this works on a college campus. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 
I can, if I'm going to be sympathetic to the idea that Title IX should involve sexual assault, and maybe that, I mean, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, you might even say, well, this is not part of Title IX at all. If I, yeah. if I want to go with the Obama administration's interpretation and give that even a, some credibility, um, to me, like I could entertain the idea, maybe as part of Title IX, the school should have an affirmative duty to like, like if you're a counselor and someone tells you makes a rape allegation, like maybe you should have an affirmative duty to forward that to law enforcement. But yeah, I, I but I that. don't understand why, it, why it has to be internal to the school. No, we're going to have our own like school tribunal. Yeah. We're going to play judge Judy here, you know, amongst ourselves and, and make, I just, I don't understand. Like it's there. I think there's certainly a debate with, that you're identifying, like, does sexual assault really fall under the purview of Title IX at all? And then mm -hmm. another step from that is, if it does, and it's a crime, why is it the role of the school to be adjudicator here? Right. And, you know, what schools are doing, it goes so much beyond, like what you said, uh, counseling and aiding with police investigations, right? These these, yeah. these schools are actually carrying out trials and I've read about some of them, you know, a lot of the time the student who's accused, they don't get the chance to uh, face their accuser or even address direct, um, you know, I guess allegations that were made against them. It's it's really yeah. messed up and I don't, I don't think it's constitutional. Yeah, well, that's what, I, that was another question. I'd like somebody with legal expertise to explain to me. So if you're going to I don't know if, if I'm here, if I'm going to Montana State University down the street here, it's a public institution, you know, that falls under the protection of the United States Constitution in every other uh, aspect and purpose. So if I was accused of sexual assault at Montana State University and then I was, let's say they had one of these in-house, I don't know, their own, their own in-house school court thing where I was determined to be guilty and therefore expelled, is that don't they owe me a due process right as a public institution in that situation? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about how this works out, but maybe someone with expertise on this legally could explain it to me because that's just as a public institution, how they could go about denying a, a due process. Right. It seems strange. I don't know. Right. And I think just in general, this whole, uh, the, the, the campus, way of handling assaults. I think this actually makes the issue that feminists complain a lot about that, you know, not enough rape survivors come forward and actually get their attackers prosecuted. I think this actually contributes to that problem because if people are seeing these school systems as a way of kind of, you know, avoiding the police and, hey, okay, I'll just do this. That's actually, that's not how it works, right? I mean, even mm -hmm. if this person gets expelled or whatever, they're still not going to be put on the sex offenders list. They're still not going to have to face any jail time or anything like that. You need to go to the police. And, you know, doing this, sidestepping the, sidestepping the actual legal systems to just this, you know, I, I don't know, whatever the schools are doing, it, 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 it does a disservice to girls who still have to face this person in, you know, situations outside of campus life, right? This mm -hmm. person is still out there. I think if you, if you really want justice to be served, go to the police. Yeah. Yeah, I think we come down in pretty much the same uh, area on this. So, you know, Betsy DeVos, as far as I can tell, is not in favor of rape. And I am in favor of due process. It's really that simple, all things considered. I don't see why this is even controversial, to be honest. But, you know, they're going to scream about certain things. Hey, in the interest of time, um, how about moving the Australia thing up right now? And I know it was you, sure. you brought it to my attention. And I'll, I'll just kind of let you discuss it if you want, because we'll probably have to Either I, it's either that or we'll have to axe a topic, I think, in the interest of time. But we could move through this quickly if you if you yeah, have some well, thoughts on it. I, 
just had some really quick thoughts about it right now. In Australia, there's a vote coming up, a gay marriage vote, and it's pretty pretty split. And like what you were saying, Matt, it's kind of seeming like the undecided or against is actually growing, which I think is really strange as well. But I thought the story was interesting because, I, you know, as someone who is a conservatarian, you know, a lot of people might wonder where I fall on the gay marriage issue. I'm pro-gay marriage, and it's not because of a hashtag love wins thing. It's just, a, you know, constitutionally and in terms of, I guess individual liberty. I don't. I don't see any issue with it. But a lot of the arguments that come up against the United States—that it's one of the most homophobic nations—we don't really look at this in the bigger context. That there are still a lot of first-world Western countries that don't allow gay marriage. And I know Australia is really progressive on certain things. So when I saw this, I hadn't actually known that gay marriage, uh, you know, was not this federally recognized thing in Australia. I was actually surprised. I don't know about you, but I, I would yeah. have thought that it was already legal. Well, I learned about them not having uh, marriage equality a few months ago, maybe, but I remember surprised at the time, like, yeah, that, that's weird. I just, I, I, I guess being in, in the insulated American media environment, I always was under the assumption that we were like the last, the last ones, the last remaining bigots, you know, but apparently not. There was that. And then to your point, the fact that, so there was a, a, a poll that went out ahead of this. It's going to be a postal election, a mail-in election, November 7th, a poll that went out to, as you said, yes, is still way in the lead. Um, 58% and 31% saying no, 10% but see, I'm sure, but that's shifting. doesn't even seem that much in the lead. For I mean, for what I had imaged, of, with the image I had in mind of Australia's progressive values, I would have yeah. thought that it would be, because, you know, I, I don't know, like it's 60, 70% yeah. or something like that. So I was just wondering why, and I had some speculation as to why, but I'm going to leave that off the table because I'll probably sound dumb. And we had a super chat, a super chatter who was Australian who had some insight on that. So I, w I would just say like, if you, if you're Australian and you kind of have a sense of why, uh, why the polling might be shifting, go ahead and send me an email or, or tweet me. I, I would be interested in knowing. Um, there was a quote, like in, in the coverage, it said, no supporters argue the change will infringe upon religious liberties and the rights of children. But I suspect there's more at play than just those those similar arguments that we're kind of familiar with. It seems like there's some bad, if, if we believe the super chatter, there were some bad actions on the part of the campaigns or some shady mm -hmm. dealings, which I suspect, because that's that was one thing that I was theorizing is like, is the progressive overreach and the hysteria just in inspiring people Causing to want Causing backlash? It's, yeah, same reason I voted Trump, which is like, you guys are you guys are ridiculous, so I'm just going to do the middle finger vote and just yeah. hit the button for that. Whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> Maybe there's some element of that going on, but I, I'll, I'll be curious to learn. Um, okay. So, and then I have, so let's, uh, let's catch up on super chat. And then I have just two topics. We'll do the, the fake. Well, I shouldn't say fake. I think maybe fake letter. And then we'll listen to Maxine Waters go crazy real quick. And then we'll get out of here. So catching up on super chat. Appreciate everybody's support tonight. My God, you treat us too well. Um, oh, Sorry. Okay, here we go. Uh, Jenny says, this show is way better than Fox News, even without the regular Becky here today. Also, praise Keck. Thank you, Jenny. I don't know if we're better than, I don't know about production wise, but maybe, um, I don't know, maybe we're better than Fox in some ways. <laughs> 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 or maybe that's a low bar. I don't know. I'll just take the compliment. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, like Beauty and the Beta, slightly better than Fox, or, you know, <laughs> more objective than Fox. Fair. I yeah, agree. fair enough. James says, if you and your parents are kicked out of Disney World after you after you sneak in or they sneak you in, you still have to go, unfortunately. I think that's entirely fair, too. Yeah. It exists outside the emotion of it. But yeah, I yeah, I think that's that's totally true. 
Um, it just makes me think about <laughs> Disney World dreamers. No, we didn't have the money for admission, but we came here through no fault of this our own. This is the only life I know now. <laughs> Uh, Big Red Doggy, Lacey Green's meltdown over DeVos was pretty hilarious. Ah, Lacey has such hope sometimes, but then she I didn't see that. I'll have those to look that up. Yeah. I, I did, um, I, I don't know. I did invite Lacey to come on our show, but I did not receive a response. Normally, I don't like to talk that much about who's invited and who's not, but it's been such a, a long time now that when she red-pilled, I definitely wanted to talk to her about it, but she didn't reply to us. So we may be better than Fox News, but we're not good enough for Lacey Green yet. <laughs> uh, thank you, Big Red Doggy. Moving up here, uh, why did nerdy people were right to fear Irma? It was Cat 5. If it had gone into the Gulf, it would really have been record-breaking. We sort of got lucky. That's probably true. Like, I'm not um, – it probably would be somewhat wrong to say that they were overly sensationalizing based on what we knew at the time. That's probably some fair pushback, I think. Hmm. Uh, lib uh, liberative. Uh, when you convince college freshmen one in four girls will be assaulted and by junior year they aren't seeing confirmation of that, they aren't seeing confirmation of that statistic, young women will think something is wrong with them and they make shit up to be seen as validated. There's probably some truth to that too. Because we've seen, I saw some stats about the increase in college sexual assault accusations and then the question is, is sexualist, there are different ways to interpret it. Feminists say that and say, well, now we're emboldened to report. Skeptics see that and say, no, you're just making shit up. And right. maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. And it's hard because if you look at Department of Justice statistics of actual prosecutions, college campuses are safer than the towns surrounding them yeah. in, generally, which which to me makes sense because you're thinking, oh, hey, these are, you know, generally better off people than the average population, uh, you know, more educated and stuff. It would make sense that they'd be less inclined to commit crime. But but then there's also the issue like, hey, maybe these people are just going either not reporting it or just reporting it to school officials instead of the police and they're not being prosecuted so like i don't know it's such a hard issue to report on objectively when there aren't really any reliable stats out there yeah uh and lastly scott malavi last one for now oh the dear colleague oh yeah dear colleague letter that was the the obama era guidance on title nine it was called the dear colleague letter schools aren't legal entities and can't bring charges and shouldn't yeah so it's not it's not the role of the school to be prosecutor right, yeah. yeah i think that's yeah exactly i i, I don't think we should make up like quasi-judicial um i don't know it's like it's like quasi-judicial larping you know they're like role-playing as judge judy like i said it's, it's just right. weird it doesn't seem and if we're doing this for rape allegations or sexual assault allegations are we going to start doing this for all other crimes that happen to be committed on campuses yeah that's true like why just why rape? wouldn't we have a yeah like a robbery tribunal or something right why, yeah very weird okay so um, I need a sounder for this. Like I said, we have the nothing to do with Islam, uh, the religion of peace, terror attack of the week. Now I need the like, you know, definitely not fake and totally fueled by Trump's racist America hate letter of the week, something like that. Because um, the thing that's frustrating about these is I don't ever like leveling accusations at people that I can't substantiate yeah, as a yeah. general rule. But I also can't buy these letters as 100% real when they're unsubstantiated. So I don't want to say, like, if I can't prove it, I don't want to say, you're a faker. This is fake. This is a hoax. I can't prove it, so i just got to stop short of making that accusation. But sometimes it's just like the, the smell test, the eye test, whatever you want to call it. Let me uh, find the article here. Did you have a chance to look at this before I went live, or is this new to you? Uh, this one is new to me, actually. Ooh, do I not? Oh, here it is. Okay, so let me explain. And then uh, if you have the show notes, there's an ESPN link. 
to the story if you want to like look at the actual letter. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so wife of Kevin Sumlin says Aggie's coach received racist threatening letter. Kevin Sumlin is the coach of the Texas A&M football team. And his wife takes to Twitter and says that they received this racist letter apparently in the mail, although that's even disputed. What the, the letter says, it's very brief and it's handwritten. You suck as a coach. You're an N-word and can't win. Please get lost or else. And that's it. And then it's it's sent to the Sumlins. The address is blocked out in the picture. And there's a return address, not an address, but a zip code in Houston that is a Houston country club. That's what this, this return address is. Um, some other relevant facts here. Uh, oh, she, she took to Twitter and said, people of 2017, please tell me how any part of this is okay. And to the sender, did it occur to you that a child may open it? Hashtag or else what? Her... Uh, the Sumlin's daughter also goes to Twitter, says, imagine being a kid and reading this BS about your dad. Things, quote unquote, fans say get taken personal by more than just the coach. Humanity isn't hard. A few things about Kevin Sumlin, the coach. He's been heavily criticized by the team's um, opening loss. Uh, apparently last Sunday at UCLA, they had a 34 point lead in the third quarter and they blew it. The team has been declining over the course of Sumlin's career there. It's now his sixth season as coach. And they were successful earlier, I guess, like, you know, the Johnny Manziel era. And now mm -hmm. they're less successful. I'm not a, I don't follow the team. I can't really comment on that, but that's just what I read. So some things to consider here for you uh, trying to judge whether you buy this or not in real time. Um, the, so there is, to me, when I look at the fact that someone um, has been taking heat for the success of the team, I view that as a like could go either way factor. Like it, it could mean there's a ridiculous person out there who takes football way too seriously and sends this note, or it could mean that someone's taking a lot of heat for losing football games and his wife has crafted a plot to shield them from the heat. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. look how racist they are. Everyone send us support now. I think that's a plausible interpretation too. Uh, a lot of people have noted the stamp on the envelope is not postmarked or canceled. Uh, so they say it doesn't appear the letter went through the mail for that reason. I've seen some online disagreement about the barcode at the bottom of the envelope. Uh, and I'm not an expert on those barcodes. We went through those a few weeks ago with a different hate letter that we were analyzing. Um, so some people say that that barcode is in fact proof that it went through the mail. I'm not sure. If it was not mailed and it was delivered, it came 95 miles from a Houston country club to college station in Texas, which is 95 miles away. As I said, that's a long way to just like drive a weird letter and put it yeah. in someone's mailbox or something. And, and lastly note the handwriting, like it is cursive and it is artsy and that it's very much the fact that I don't know, do you write in cursive? Is your handwriting in cursive? Depends what I'm writing. If I'm writing notes to myself, no, if I'm writing to someone else, yes. If I were to be writing hate mail to someone, I don't think it would be. You do no, the I think, uh, magazine I think kind of like a Yeah, or at least, you know, just <laughs> maybe like... stick. Yeah. Yeah, like all like shouty capitals or something if I'm yeah. passionate about this person who I apparently care enough about to write hate mail to, like actual mail to. So a lot of people have taken the, the cursive artsy handwriting to be indicative that the writer is a older female. Um, to me, there's no way this looks like... Uh, a younger male like your traditional college football demographic i guess it could be it's males generally 
I guess I assume maybe younger males, but certainly older males enjoy college football too. So that's maybe not um, fair to say, but I guess what I'm saying is the least likely demographic to become enraged by poor football performance is old women. Yet this appears to be the handwriting of an old woman. Yeah. That's strange. Um, so I'll, I'll defer to your take on this and I, I have an opinion, but again, I can't prove it. Well, Matt, as people who are on the internet, I'm sure we both know how crazy and random some of the like, you know, hate messages we can get are and write hate comments. So, you know, if this person, if this wife was saying, look at this angry email I got or this angry Facebook message I got, I, you know, that I think is more plausible than look at this actual hate letter that I have received, right? <laughs> have because you ever you really received, well, I guess your, your, your address is not public, but you've never received, um, nor have I, like a note. I mean, I've yeah. received tweets and emails, but a note is very weird. It is very weird. And it just it sh- kind of shows that extra added layer of intent, right? Because, you know, let's say uh, all these churches that get vandalized or, you know, um, these residences that get vandalized, if it were just like those messages that were left on their Facebook wall, we could very easily believe it because like it takes two seconds for some troll to do that. But like to actually mail a letter, I don't know, I that makes this a lot more suspicious. And, and like it's so short as well. <laughs> Like what? Like you, you think if you're taking the time to do this, it'd be like this long rant. I yeah. don't know. I don't really buy it. And well, the fact that she's making a big deal out of it. And yeah, that to it's me the, also kind of speaks to that. It's suspicious. It's always the convenience of the sob story. And again, I'll say this as with every other example of this, the moment it comes out that it's demonstrated that this did actually come from an enraged racist football fan grandma in Houston at a country club, then I'll eat my words and I'll apologize to Miss Sumlin, who will be owed an apology by me at that point. But, um, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? Damn it. I got lost thinking about racist grandmas sending, <laughs> sending football notes. Um, oh, it's the sympathy point. That's what was in my head is like the circumstances of him taking a lot of heat for the football performance and then needing sympathy. And this is very convenient for that to happen. And I, and you and I definitely were no strangers to hate mail. And, and we also, I know you and I both quote tweets or post tweets of people saying ridiculous stuff to us and responding. Lol counts are great entertainment. Yeah. But most of the time it's for that purpose. Like I can't say I've ever seen you tweet like this person said mean things about me and I'm, you know, I'm very sad about it. Please send love and support my way. It's just, it's a convenient um, opportunity yeah. for that. And especially like, it's not something that's directly related to what she was talking about. Or like, you know, mm. what, what the issue was, I guess, his performance. It's kind of like, sideshow also, look at this racist here. Therefore, all the attacks are racist or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's part of the problem is everyone latches onto this and they go, oh, real classy Aggies fans. Real classy Texas A&M fans. And it's like, yeah. it's one jackass, even if it's true. What are you talking about? It'd be uh, like if someone sent you a, like an angry letter about how you're a hat is ugly in like a controversial <laughs> video and you kind of try to yeah. make the entire thing about people ragging on your hat and how we as a society guys is 2017 are we still doing this and it's like what that's not what well, the yeah. issue is the what, social what justice about? language too in the current year listen everyone in the current year you have no business sending me hate mail yeah <laughs> hate mail has existed in every year it was you know as soon as um like written language was invented i'm sure there was hate mail in like egyptian hieroglyphics right i'm sure that it's been a <laughs> around for a long time 
so yeah, I, I look. That, this, this is the other frustrating thing about these things. I always say or try to say, look, when when the conclusive evidence comes out, I'll I'll eat my words if I have to. The trouble is, almost never does the conclusive evidence come out. I will. Oh, I also will say the sheriff's office is investigating this, the, the county sheriff's office in the area. So there is law enforcement investigation going on. But I've I've tracked so many of these. I've covered them on the podcast or in video. And then I make videos about them and they're inconclusive, even though I have my suspicions. And then I try to go back later, like six months later when I remember, oh, hey, whatever happened to that? Oh, nothing. Nothing's ever happened. It was it was this big media deal for a few days or a week. And then there was never, never anything published again about the investigation findings. Mm-hmm. It's probably what's going to happen here too. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. And I just feel like because of because of the deal that was made about it and, you know, bringing her daughter in about it, making this so public, I feel like if that were just an actual random note, you might you might go to the police. But I don't know if, you know, broadcasting it over social media about how bad race relations are in 2017 would be your first instinct if you just got some random hate mail. I don't know. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of hate mail, if you didn't know, I'm professional at transitions, as I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of hate mail, well, let's just get through this um, this last topic, and then we'll catch up with Super Chat before we get out of here. But uh, since it's brief, I figure we can roll through it now. Um, you're familiar with Maxine Waters, mm-hmm. crazy lady, uh, Southern California. I think it's Southern California, but Congresswoman from California. Um, I don't know. Got mad at Bill O'Reilly for saying she had James Brown hair, and is always talking about. She said that Putin was invading. North Korea and things like that when she meant Crimea. She says weird things all the time and she's apparently hugely corrupt. Anyway, she's one of those people that's been in Congress for forever and you're like, why and how? Um, you you were a congressional intern at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, four years ago, four and a half years ago. Well, were you actually in D.C.? Yeah, I was in D.C. Did you ever have any like Maxine Waters encounters? No, I mean, no. I like I saw John Boehner once in the uh, like the rotunda of the Capitol. Uh, Is he really I, that orange? He was wearing a red sweater. It was not a good look. <laughs> you know, just like the orange and the red. But uh, Jeff yeah. Flake. Yeah, I saw a lot of a lot of people. Um, nothing really that interesting, though. Okay. Unfortunately. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Well, Maxine Waters will keep things interesting because Maxine Waters is at a hearing. She, she's at um, financial services committee hearing in the House this week, and this hearing is having the hearing they're having is about the financial aspects of terror plots. And Maxine starts talking about how she's worried about domestic terrorists, which is not an implausible thing to be worried about mm-hmm. these days with all the like Antifa. And I mean, even if you want to go down the Charlottesville route, like there's a lot of homegrown political violence going on. Right. right now. It's yeah. not a crazy thing to talk about. And presumably someone's even funding them. So the topic is not insane for the setting in which she's discussing, but she makes a few claims that are somewhat incorrect. And at the end, she just says like, I got mail full of presumably anthrax, but it was powder or something. <laughs> and also Breitbart and YouTube is trying to kill me. What are we going to do? <laughs> so this is Maxine Waters in her own words this week. Chair would now recognize the ranking member of the full committee, the lady from California, Ms. Waters. As the recent events in Charlottesville, which took the life of uh, Heather Hare and two VA state troopers, have reminded us extremists radicalized by foreign terrorist groups are not the only terrorists with the capacity and will to target and kill American citizens. I just uh, took a look 
at uh, what has happened since uh, 1992. Ruby Ridge standoff, three killed, two wounded. Oklahoma City bombing, 168 killed, over 680 wounded. 2009 United States Holocaust uh, Memorial Museum shooting, one killed, one wounded. 2012 Wisconsin Sheik Temple shooting, killed six wounded, four. 2013 Los Angeles International Airport shooting, attack on TSA officer, killed one wounded, six. 2015 Planned Parenthood shooting, killed three wounded, nine. 2017 Portland train attack, killed two wounded, one. Charlottesville. Car ramming attack killed three wounded 19, and I'm worried about these domestic attacks. I was forced to focus on it a little bit more yesterday in my office in Los Angeles. Uh, one of the people opening the mail opened an envelope and a bunch of powder fell out with a note about uh, me dying and killing Hillary Clinton and on and on and on. This is getting more frequent, but I'm wondering what can we do uh, to get a handle, uh, a fix on these lone um, killers? Do you have any thoughts about what we can do to begin to deal with the KKK and the white nationalists, the, um, the extremists, the alt-right. Uh, they're on the internet, the Brett Bart. If you look at the YouTube, you see how much they want to kill me and others. What, what can we do? Anybody? Any one of you? Sure, I think there's a, there's a couple things. Anybody? What can we do about the people on YouTube who want to kill Maxine Waters? I've, uh, that's like the third time I've heard it, and I just I can't stop laughing when she says that. The Brett right Bart and, and the YouTubes. The <laughs> <laughs> um, you see any good videos of people wanting to kill Maxine Waters? Because apparently I'm missing out. Not lately, actually, no. And by lately, I mean ever. But maybe I'm just you know in my normie part of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, red I don't have enough uh, dank subscriptions. I need to find these videos. Uh, uh, just a few points on on the like fa points of fact that kind of bugged me a little bit. She claims that Charlottesville car ramming killed three. She's counting the that. helicopter crash, which is still under investigation and still mysterious. Killed one. Um, the other point, uh, I'm not saying that any of the the instances she identified are wholly inappropriate, but you should notice what's absent. No mention of Black Lives Matter. No mention uh, the killings. No mention of Antifa. Granted, Antifa hasn't killed anybody, but, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and no mention of the baseball shooter, James Hodgkinson. Mm, that's, 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 that's terrorism. That's violence for political purposes, political aim. Um, but, you know, I... I <laughs> I shouldn't have such high expectations for Maxine Waters, who thinks the Brett Bart is... And the YouTube. Yeah, is sending her, to kill her murderous powdered substances in the mail. These are people who are crafting the laws that control our lives. Just, I, just think about that. I wonder what her staff thinks anytime she goes up and does some sort of public speaking. Like if they're worried or if it's, this is uh, all planned. It also it bugs me. planned, right? Me, oh, I don't know. I don't, there's no, if that's, if that's the product of a planning meeting, if there were meetings that went into that, I mean, presumably someone did the research for her to know all the right. instances. Um, yeah, uh, there was something, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought again. It's that, it's probably that point in the evening. Um, yeah, but I think oh, it's, it's oh. interesting. Like when, when I think of homegrown domestic terrorism, I do think it's an issue, but she's kind of talking about like these, um, she mentioned white supremacists alt-right or white nationalists alt-right at the end, but she's kind of mentioning these uh, lone wolf attacks. And honestly, just in terms of like larger policies, I don't know what kind of things we could do to combat that aside from maybe unilateral gun control, which might have been what she was getting at. I don't know the larger context, but yeah, I, 
I don't know. I mean, Breitbart, you two, like what, what, what kind of policies would be, she be suggesting to combat that? Just no criticizing no more Breitbart, no more YouTube. Yeah. Get control of the Breitbart and the YouTubes. Uh, it, it, it does. Uh, maybe I'm being overly critical on this point. I'm open to that uh, criticism. It does bug me that she seemed to have a very selfish perspective on it, you know, to close like, well, these are the people who, who put me at risk. You know, it's it's the it's the KKK guys and the Breitbart who say they want to kill me. Okay, and I'm not saying you can't think of some things as uh, particular risks over others. Maybe you even think the KKK is a unique risk to black people and things like that. I just as a political matter, I'm really bothered that it was framed in this. How are you going to protect me, Maxine Waters way? Because, by the way, Maxine Waters, you got a big security staff and a lot of money for that. I think you'll be okay. Just don't go to any baseball games that you forgot to mention. (laughs) Especially when the things she mentioned, alt-right, YouTube, Breitbart, they're not really entities that have committed any murders, really. I mean, there was the Charlottesville incident. But, I mean, I wouldn't really call them instances of homegrown domestic terrorism, right? Especially when we, we actually have things like Antifa, which, like you said, haven't killed anybody yet. But, I mean, federal government's on looking out for them now, so who knows? Maybe they know something we don't. Uh, well, you know... Uh, it... <laughs> I always look forward to the next Maxine Waters crazy statement, so we'll leave yeah, it there. Yeah, the hottest takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could call them that. Uh, we'll catch up on Super Chat, and then we'll get out of here. Thank you for not only for filling in, but for your extra time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Joshua D. Marshall to roaming. I'm going to come up with a convoluted plan to make you my wife, and one day when you look back on that day, you will ask me, what the hell were you thinking? A lot of marriage proposals or marriage... I guess that's not even a proposal. That's a I'm coming to get you statement. Yeah, marriage scheme and scheme announcement. <laughs> okay. yeah. Thank you, Joshua. We appreciate it. Uh, Scott is back. I will always, or I always forget Texas A&M has a gender studies program. Really? Hmm. I, uh, I feel I like that's not, not even shocking. I feel like that's the issue with, or sorry, not the issue, the case. Be neutral about it uh, with most universities now. Well, isn't, um, what does A&M stand for? Isn't it like... Um, agricultural and mechanical. Yeah. Texas agricultural and mechanical. Uh, yeah. But I, I, they're a big, it's a big university now. It's kind of like how MIT, you can, I think, study things other than science and technology. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know yeah, anything about Texas sure. A&M other than Johnny Manziel went there. That's pretty much it. Uh, late to join, but happy to support from um, Fejup. I don't know how to say this name, but thank you for supporting the show. Uh, Scott Malavi, I'll tell my aunt to stop sending racist notes to the coach. Well, if good, then we can get this under control. Then we can claim that we uh, we helped out Miss, what was her name? I forget. Uh, coach's wife's, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Miss um, Sumlin, Miss Sumlin is her name. Okay, well, we're all caught up on Super Chat then, and we're all caught up uh, in terms of um, show topics, so we're good to go. Nice. Get out of here. Great. Uh, That is our co-host tonight. That's Roaming Millennial. If you're not familiar with her, you haven't been watching this show anyway, so whatever. But there is a link to find her YouTube and her Twitter um, in the the podcast description, so do check that out. You're going to see her face all over, so you better be ahead of the game. You might be late already, (laughs) but you better be ahead of the game because she's going to be on the Fox News and stuff in the future. Good things coming. I've been saying it for a long time. Good things coming for Roaming Millennial. That's why I've hitched myself to 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 this rising phenomenon. 
Uh, but anyway, thank you for making the time for me tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I eagerly await Blonde's return like everybody else. Yeah, I'm sure this show was way... It wasn't blunt enough for a lot of people. We needed the hatchet to come. Yeah, if you're a blonde. Yeah. Uh, appreciate all our super chatters and our live chatters. Everybody supporting the show. Remember, there's more of the show on uh, the audio platforms, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all that linked in the description for you. You can email us. That's beautyinthebeta at gmail.com. Send your um, anthrax-laced messages there or in the mail, whatever. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday with Blonde. Something about Chuck Todd and his show sucks. Watch our show instead. Have a good night. See ya. Bye.